episode 47 of the film yak podcast i'm john i'm kevin i'm jr and uh now your mic is working kevin so we can restart this episode uh today we're going to be talking about the taking of pelham 123 the original film starring walter Matthau, directed by joe Sargent in 1974 uh jonathan's not here because he didn't watch anything and he had to help his sister-in-law move uh, i'm just trying to recall everything that i said originally banter 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 everybody's banter, doing banter. great let's move on to trailers right uh, <laughs> so, uh, first trailer is the teaser for the new season of True Detective Season 3, starring Mahershala Ali. What does everybody think of this trailer? I think it looks good. Great criticism, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Did not make uh, much of an impression. It was just a minute, and it was done. Moved on. You, know, you can tell JR has been to the Stanislavski in school of acting. <laughs> <laughs> like, same deadpan delivery. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. That's true. Just one just one pan. Right. That's dead. Right. I uh, like... joke, right? I like... Yeah. I, liked, uh, I think Marshall Ali looks good as an old man. Yeah. The old man makeup looks good. I'm excited to see something directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it looks uh, all right. It certainly looks better than the second season. The second season's a piece of shit. Mm. Killer Kitch is the worst. Yes, I'll never watch it. I think I've decided. Good for you. Like, yeah, I mean, Vince Vaughn's probably bad. He's terrible. Rachel McAdams is probably bad, even she, though she's often she's good. Bad. I wanted her to be good, and she looked good in the trailer. And she's terrible. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't yeah, know what. I mean, who directed all the second season, or who directed it? It was a bunch of different people. Okay, like, and Nick Pizzolatto wrote most of it, but there were also some other writers, which like, and I think like the biggest problem with season two is like. In season one, you have somebody who, like, knows that part of Louisiana like the back of his hand. And then you have someone trying to write a Los Angeles story who's, like, clearly haven't, you know, they have no history with Los Angeles besides what they've seen in movies and TV reports and, you know, the HBO offices that are probably in Los Angeles. <laughs> and, you know, the film studios. But, like, that's that's not a history with Los Angeles. But so, um, you said yeah. Nick. Uh, Ju- Nick oh, Pistol. this here's the problem. Sorry, Justin Lin is one of the directors in the second season. See, that sounds like a plus. No, are you who's, fucking kidding? Who's Justin Lin? Like, Why would I be? Didn't kidding? he direct like Fast and the Furious? Yeah, he uh, directed a bunch of Fast three, and four, five, and six. <laughs> the best ones. Tokyo Drift is one of the best ones. Tokyo Drift is my. It's not the best one, but it's my favorite one. You're out of your fucking mind. They're all terrible. Uh, he directed. Uh, you actually decided objectively which Fast and Furious was the best, and then you have your favorite. Yeah, I mean, okay. five is the best. It okay. has like the coolest action sequences. <laughs> okay, it, it's not like quite as divorced from reality as the next one gets. They're okay. not flying. They're not flying cars through buildings. Okay, they're just you know pulling a. 20-ton bank vault through the streets of Brazil. Can't you acknowledge, wouldn't you acknowledge though, that Justin Lin as a director probably doesn't match the aesthetic of True Detective? Probably. <laughs> Although I've seen um, yeah, his first film. Better Luck Tomorrow? Or, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, I don't know. Hmm. It's, a, it's a crime drama and hmm. it's pretty good. Okay. Well, this is, I've, I sh- the second season is just overly dark 
and like mm. trying to be depressive and uh okay so that's not just in mind no and i think i think uh the only the only real good thing about it for me was colin farrell's performance i thought was quite good I yes think he's he's really really good in it but everything else is kind of pales in comparison i him. mean i liked vince vaughn you know like I wouldn't give his performance five out of five, but I thought he did a good job. And I'll I, give, I, I'll God give bless him, props. him for trying. Yeah, <laughs> bless him for like doing something different. Yeah, sure. You know? I mean, it's like it would have been different had he done this in like 1998. I think it would have worked better. Probably. Like, yeah. I don't believe him as this guy anymore because he's so goofy now. Yeah. But, like as a young yeah. man, I could believe him as like a psychotic well, uh, he was, gangster. You know. Yeah. Like he was good in Brawl and Cell Block, whatever that movie yeah, he's was. He's all right in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, he, you know, that, that's a hard thing to judge, though. It's like, it, I mean, is he good in that? I don't I mean, I don't know. What, what does it mean to be good in a movie like that? Like, it's a B movie. Like, it's made to be a yeah, B movie. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I'll say one thing that I agree he's good when he's on screen with uh, Jennifer Carpenter, who is absolutely abysmal in, in it, <laughs> in that movie and in everything she's ever been in. I'd agree with that. Yeah, she's the worst. And she's so, like, skinny now. It's getting gross. Yeah. Yeah, she was, was she from she Dexter Dexter yeah. Dexter's yeah. sister. Dexter's sister. Okay. She's in some movie with John Cusack, some straight to video garbage recently too. She's trash. Oh, and she was uh, Emily Rose in The Exorcism of Emily Rose when she was like thirteen or whatever. Okay, she sucks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, season three of True Detective. I'm uh, you know cautiously optimistic and uh, mildly excited to watch, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll watch the whole thing regardless of how bad it is because I yeah. did that with season two. So I just I mean. <laughs> You enjoy the hate watch for TV? Well, I mean, I just, you never know. Like, season two of True Detective, the last episode, uh, Colin Farrell has a shootout with some people, and it fucking rules. Like, the shootout is a lot of fun, and the mm. violence is very good. So, I mean, you know, if nothing else, you get that, and I can rewatch that scene on YouTube over and over and over Was again. that, like, the season two version of the of the raid in pretty, season pretty one? Much. Pretty We're much, have yeah. This, like, baller ass action sequence except for yeah. that they all they, i feel like they all had different action sequences in this one like they were all separated yeah, yeah. uh yeah but i mean pretty much that's like the big set piece at the end of the show yeah and uh it's pretty good but uh let's move on to uh jeremy Saulnier's n- next film directing job which is hold the dark uh yes. and that netflix original which is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Netflix has a terrible track record at this point of films. They, uh, they bought it. They didn't I know, make it. But even the stuff they buy is not very good usually. So I'm, I'm, a, yeah. little, I'm a little worried. But I, I have faith in Saulnier. And yes. uh, I don't really like anybody who's in it very much. <laughs> I'll be honest. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright? Right. He's okay. I don't like Alexander Skarsgård at all. I like Riley Keough. Oh, she's good. She is good. I forgot she was in it. She is good. Yeah. And I... I think uh, I like Alexander Skarsgård when he's doing this weird kind of menacing thing. Mm. Like he's good in, in Big Little Lies. The I TV see. Show. I haven't seen that. I want to uh, see that. And the way he talks in the trailer for this was it no, the dark hold, hold the dark. The dark. Thank yeah. you. The way he talks in this is very similar to the way he speaks throughout most of Big Little Lies. Okay, which is just barely hidden. Menace. I want to ask you about season mm-hmm. two of that in a second, but also I'll say that. Very excited to see actual wolves in the trailer. Yes. As yeah. opposed to CG wolves, which I was very much expecting to see CG wolves, and they were yes. actual wolves. I was very excited. I was like, this is going to be good. Yes. Also, I was worried when I read the uh, plot description, this might just be like a the gray. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah. set in a town. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it sounded men, like. But it doesn't look like the gray. No, it, it looks, looks like it's uh, some kind of, yeah more, yeah, more than that for sure. And uh, yeah. something going more on. More threatening. Yeah. But uh, about you've watched season two of Big Little Lies? 
It doesn't exist yet. It does not out yet. I don't know. No, I was. I think that's sometime next year. Oh, okay. Uh, I know that uh, Andrea Arnold is directing yeah. some of the episodes, so I'm very excited to. Uh, I do want to watch the entire show. I really hate Reese Witherspoon, which is holding me back. But um, I you, love Laura Dern, and I think Shailene Woodley is okay. Yeah, I don't. So, you know, you're gonna have a rough time. <laughs> I think. I mean, like Reese Witherspoon isn't bad in this, but she's just she's in so much of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm willing to. I'm like willing her. to deal with it. It's more than like I could say for, like I'm just gonna pretty much be done. I can't watch Sharp Objects. I just can't do it because I cannot mm-hmm. watch Patricia Clarkson on screen anymore. I'm done. I can't handle it. But I'll I'll can you know uh, bite my lip and bear it with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. So far, I'm okay with how Sharp Objects is using. I've only seen, I've seen the first four episodes. Is it over now? I think it's over it's now. Over, yeah, it's over. But uh, it just ended like this week, I think. In the first half, Patricia Clarkson is used minimally. Good. You know that's how she should be. Okay. Used. At, if, if at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are two two actresses from Louisiana that you hate. Is Reese Witherspoon from Louisiana? I, I think didn't so. Even know that. Pretty sure. Oh, I might have made in a that movie up. called Sweet Home Alabama. Right. Well, she's an, she's an actress. That's true. You don't, you don't have to be. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm I just, watched Aloha. None of those people are from Hawaii. That's true. Right. Yeah. Well, aren't they like military though? So they don't necessarily have to be from from there. They move there to go to the military, right? Emma Stone is supposed to be from Oh, there. she's supposed to be like Asian, right? Yeah. <laughs> of Asian descent. She is. Her last name is NG. I don't get the problem. I mean, she, she looks so Asian. And <laughs> that's bad. That part was bad. So people are going to stop Scarlett Johansson from being in a movie, but they're not going to protest Emma Stone? No, they did. Okay, they protest, good, good. but... It, I'll, I'm with Kevin. It didn't get nearly the amount of media attention, but that's it because did. the this, movie was smaller. And it was three okay. years ago, yeah. so we okay. hadn't. Right, we weren't like full outrage culture yet. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on the, we were on the precipice. Right, but uh, yeah. So uh, hold the dark. Excited yes. about that. Um, so another trailer uh, for a new TV miniseries or show on Amazon, King uh, Lear. I think it's just a movie. I think it's a show. Is it? I think it's a mini series. I mean, like I think I'm not it's like sure. six episodes or something. Okay, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that's too much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm now out. It's yeah. starring uh, Anthony Hopkins as the titular King Lear. And what I find most interesting about this is how HBO just came out with a show with Brian Cox that I can't remember the name of right now. Succession. Succession, which mm. is essentially the King Lear story. And now Amazon is just like, oh, this, this show is good. This is successful. Let's just do King Lear. Yeah. And we'll get some, we'll get, you know, it's like, it's like HBO got the discount Anthony Hopkins, Brian Cox, <laughs> and they're going to get the real Anthony Hopkins to be in there. Not saying that Brian Cox is less of a good actor. I don't think so. I think he's just less of a well-known name. Right. You know, he's, I like Brian. He's Cox. less of a Hannibal though. Oh, he's absolutely you? less of a Hannibal. Manhunter is trash. You want to get into that? We can go right no, now. I, <laughs> it's going to be two on one. You realize? I, I that. agree with, I I agree with the first half, but I don't think Manhunter's trash. Manhunter is trash. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. And I'll get around to that when I talk so about Michael King Peter. Lear or, is no, a, what is the guy's name uh, from Anthony Hopkins? No, no, the other guy, King Lear. No, in, in, in Manhunter, the uh, who plays Will Graham? No, the guy from CSI, William Peterson. William Peterson. I'll get in, I'll get to it when I get to Young Guns too. William Peterson <laughs> is the worst actor alive. This is a film for television. <laughs> what is? King Lear. Oh, is it really? I, I could have sworn it was a mini series. And Reese Witherspoon is from New Orleans. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Nice. So you're right <laughs> twice. Okay. Well, so you're, are you back in then? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not interested in Anthony Hopkins at the moment. And uh, yeah, because especially in this trailer, it's like Anthony. 
We just go nuts, man. Yeah. Just learn the lines, but just go nuts. He definitely seems really uh, over the top. Yeah, he's... Re- and it's... I don't know. I think he's clearly enjoying himself. Like, mm-hmm. he's at the age now where okay. he can just be crazy on film and get paid for it. I think that and I'm... Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that I'm not really interested in British people doing Shakespeare, like, with the Shakespeare dialogue right now. I was, yeah. the, I was like, thinking about all my favorite Shakespeare adaptations, and they're all... When people did something weird or adapted it to what was more visual, I don't I don't really feel like doing this. Yeah, like um, straight up Shakespeare dialogue. It's like you know, it's great. They, you know, you're all great actors. You're all British. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna move on. I agree because like my favorite Shakespeare adaptation is Throne of Blood. Yeah, I I don't know what mine is, but it might be you know Akira Kurosawa's King Lear. Ron. Yeah, I do like Ron. Yeah. I I really liked. Uh, I'm a big fan of Polanski's Macbeth, and of course, uh, I am also Baz Luhrmann's Roman and Juliet, which I stand alone on, apparently. But I, <laughs> there's a there's a Russian director, something Kazantsev or something. I don't know, mm. but he made a, a Macbeth and a King Lear, and they're both beautiful. They're wonderful. Cool, nice. Like a late '60s, early '70s, black and white film. It's they're both awesome. And I mean, have you seen Coriolanus? I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember enjoying it, but like if I, I wa- if I watched it now, like I mean, I can't watch something with Gerard Butler trying to do Shakespeare. Like what an embarrassment! I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's not on he's not on screen like that much. Is he British? Um, he is. He's Scottish. Scottish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Something but uh, British, yeah. but yeah, like I thought Ray Ray Fiennes is good in it. Brian Cox is good in it. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave is good in it. But looking back. Like unless I was gonna watch it again, I would probably right now retroactively rate it as a three. Okay, so that's fair. So your memory of it is a three out of five. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on to uh, the last trailer, the front runner. This is uh, Hugh Jackman's first post Wolverine retirement film. Um, looks like he's trying to uh, be an actor. You know, looks like he's trying to go for that Golden Globe gold. Uh, you know, best actor in a comedy. <laughs> or a musical uh, with this biopic of Gary Hart, the failed presidential nominee from 1988. I don't know anything about him. Never heard of him before. Me neither. This, but, uh, <laughs> sounded <laughs> yeah. like I had though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of uh, the front runner? I think Jackman looks really good in it. Um, like, I think he's a very underrated actor. Sure. He's done some. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's I mean, underrated. yeah, he's made some silly choices in his career, but who hasn't? He, he is the, uh, he has put the best performance ever, ever, ever played on film. So, The Fountain. I mean, nobody has done a better performance than him in The Fountain. I thought you were talking about Australia. A fight okay. to the death. And a fight anybody to the death who says otherwise. <laughs> it's amazing. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think he looks uh, fine in this. I don't know. I really like him when he's more desperate and angry and crying and stuff than... You know, like like in the Fountain or Prisoners, especially you know when he's freaking out and. Uh, I mean, he does some of that in this trailer. Does he? There's yeah, there's like, a fair yeah. amount of yelling. Yeah, and yeah, I guess so. quite a bit from him. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I like that last the last part of the trailer was kind of recontextualized the whole thing where you know he actually makes the phone call to his wife. There's going to be a story about me tomorrow. Yeah, that's the best moment of the trailer. Sweet, which I didn't like very much because I have trust issues with Jason Reitman. I, I forgot it was understand. a film. I forgot. I forgot about that until just now. And yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, now it's gone way down. In John's <laughs> no, I just he. I, I, I'm the same. I'm. I just like uh, Reitman. He started out 
and I was like really into it. I was like, thank you for smoking is so good. And it's funny. And I was, you know, like whatever, 20 when the movie came out. So, you know, I'm like, I think that's still his best movie. Okay. Well, (laughs) let's, let's not get into that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's a good movie. We're right. We're riding. I was riding high on this thing. And then I rewatch it, uh, after Juno, because I didn't like Juno, I rewatch it and I'm just like, this movie's not good either. Juno's not good. Then I keep going. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll still watch stuff. And I watch Young Adult, and to me, Young Adult is far oh, and away his best film. That is, I forget. Yeah. I forget about that one because <laughs> I actually like it. Yeah, Young Adult is good. And then, yeah, and, I, and I'm afraid to rewatch it. I have the uh, rules of attraction mentality that you have uh, with it because I'm afraid that it's going to be terrible if I rewatch it. Yeah. But um, I do own it on Blu ray and I plan to at some point. And then it's like, after that, I just haven't been interested in anything he's made, like the thing with Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet. That looked like shit. Didn't and, you do uh, an Adam Sandler yeah, thing? Yeah, the Adam Sandler movie, Men, Women, and Children look like shit. Oh, oh God. I and heard I, that was like a We're Afraid of Technology movie yeah, wrapped up in a is. family drama. It's like social, this, like the dangers of social networking. Um, but yeah, and then <laughs> and then I watched Tully and I'll talk about it, but it's just like such a, just a disappointment. It feels like he's just so, he so wants to do things in such a flashy way he just needs to calm the fuck down mm. <laughs> like he wants to be wes anderson so bad and it's like just stop just chill out and like do your own thing yeah find out who you are as a filmmaker and stop trying to be other filmmakers oh up in the air was another one that i liked the first time i saw it and i rewatched it and it was, i can't it's terrible I, I, I did not like that one. i don't understand yeah. I don't understand why I liked them the first time either. I like, yeah, it's I mean, happened a couple of times. Like I remember when it, when I saw Juno in the theater. Of, you know, it was the first time I'd mm-hmm. really seen any movie with like that amount of like snappy, quippy dialogue. Sure. And then you know I get a little older and I'm like, you know what? If everything is snappy and quippy, then nothing is snappy and quippy. I agree with that, but I, I actually have very little problem with Diablo Cody as a writer. I think her writing is pretty solid. I think that. As far as her dialogue goes, I think that her structures are really problematic, especially uh, in, again, Tully. Uh, <laughs> the, the structure of Tully is extremely problematic, and it right. does not work at all. What is, what's her movie that did not involve Reitman? Jennifer's Body. Yeah, that wasn't great. I didn't see uh, it. I kind of want to, but I just never did. It's weird. But yeah, I know. I don't, any y'all into Megan Fox? Uh, as a good-looking woman or as an actress? Yeah, good, I've, yeah. she's attractive. She was funny <laughs> yeah. in her uh, New Girl arc. Okay. Which might have been the last I watched of New Girl. She was really good looking, mm-hmm. and this is 40. That's the only thing I've seen her in, I think. Right. Well. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to what we watched. Uh, yes. Who wants to start? I'll start since. All right. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, I can go ahead and get this out of the way. So, um. <laughs> Your shitty Billy Water movies? Yeah. No, not like not because Billy Wilder shitty. I just saw that you watched a couple of shitty ones. I watched a ton of <laughs> Billy Wilder movies, and most of them were pretty bad. Oh, that's a bummer. like. Uh, but before, but before that, uh, Vanilla Sky. Oh no. So, oh, right. yeah. So my first my first complaint is that it's way too long. Um. Check. Yeah. And I think I think it's. It's trying. I can tell that it's trying really hard, but I don't know what it's trying for. And I think I think it's. I yeah. I thought it was a mess. It, it and, is. A, it is a mess. Yeah, and yeah, I didn't enjoy it all that much. <laughs> so, do you guys want to guess what my rating is? Uh, two, two starts head. 
one and a half. John, you got it. The return uh, of two stars. Yeah. So Jr. That means you get an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. On you. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm not going to. I didn't know this was for keeps. <laughs> well, I mean, now you do. Deal with it. I mean, I don't know. This might be something you'd be interested in watching anyway. Probably. So I'm interested in watching everything. Cool. I would That's like not you. True. <laughs> <laughs> not true at all. <laughs> I would like you to watch Magic, directed by Richard Attenborough, starring Anthony Hopkins and Anne Margaret. Is that about the dummy, the ventriloquist dummy? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I yeah. am intrigued. He comes to life. <laughs> How do you, is that M A G? Does it? Is that M A G Y? No, just oh, okay. regular, like just regular, magic, regular spelling, like the Gathering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, good call. I'm on it. Yeah, and I can go ahead and get like, yeah, I watched a shit ton of Billy Wilder. Five Graves to Cairo was pretty good. I really like Eric von Stroheim in that. Lost Weekend was really good. Gave that one four and a half. Yeah. And Jr., I saw that you watched uh, the Emperor Waltz, and we can talk about the fucking horrendous. <laughs> horrific thing that is the emperor waltz it was a uh, like that was a slog yeah like like i said in my letterbox review like i expected the misogyny and classism but i didn't expect the animal abuse like actual animal abuse not at well i don't know it might it might have yeah, been I don't know. like i didn't look that up like most most of it is these two dogs fighting and like their owners, they f- start out fighting and then they fall in love. But there's a scene towards the end where, like, so uh, Bing Crosby's dog is, you know, this, like, mutt and he's fallen in love with this, you know, like, really pampered, you know, blue blood poodle. And so they have puppies. And there's a scene towards the end of the movie where they are about to drown these puppies. Now, Who, okay. I'm now sorry. this is hang, hang on. Okay, <laughs> the two dogs are the stars of the movie. They're no. not, but well, they. I mean, like, is it about the dog? Do the dogs talk? No. Okay, so it's about their owners, sort of. It's about their owners, but like the dogs figure the, very heavily so into it. So the owners are going to drown the puppies, not the dogs. No, the uh, emperor's servants are okay. going to drown because they're like abominations. Got it. And like, I thought, like, you know. It's not so, a, it's not a, a homeward bound situation. No, not quite. Okay. But like this is this is no. the same era where like you, a married couple can't sit on the same side of the bed with each other. Right. But drowning puppies is somehow okay. Well, sex is that immoral, probably just you know? didn't come up in the Hays Code because I, I don't think people were <laughs> trying to drown. Now, what about puppies this drowning time? puppies business? Should we? <laughs> yeah, allow this yeah. Or? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a one. Uh, that was <laughs> that was fucking awful. It it just. Like that's that's the kind of thing they like, could have made the fucking songs better. You, know? you just could have done <laughs> that's something. A musical. Yeah. yeah, it's a musical. Okay. Yeah, see, that's it's, the thing. It's, it's a, a musical romantic comedy, but we're gonna have drowning puppies in it. Sure, that's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Bing, <laughs> this is Bing Crosby. Yeah, like, like this. Ha- that has Mr. no Mr. business. Likeable. Yeah. Did he try to drown the puppies? No, he well, saved the puppies. What's the issue then? <laughs> There's got to be villains <laughs> doing villainous things, right? But so to that, that extent. Well, <laughs> that seems like over the top villainy behavior, you know. Yeah, like it yeah. was tonally puppies. out of place. I see. Yes, yes, I see. In this all over the place, actual really boring movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I uh, I'll go next. I watched uh, a movie called "You've Got Mail." 
uh, after JR's uh, mildly glowing review of it <laughs> last week. Uh, I told my wife about it, and she's like, I love that movie. Let's watch it. Nice. Just fired up the HBO now and uh, so convenient. watched it. And, uh, yeah, I don't, it's not, not very good. It was okay, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I don't understand. I think glowing kind of mischaracterizes. No, I said somewhat, somewhat glowing. A uh, positive review you gave it. Yeah. You, okay. liked, you like it. You gave it a three, I think. Yeah, yeah, which is just above. Right. Okay. I gave it a two and a half. I mean, I don't hate it. I just, uh, here's the thing, okay? I, I don't understand. For one, I was expecting, after your review of saying Tom Hanks is an asshole, I was expecting Tom Hanks to be an asshole, and he's really not an asshole at all in the movie. I don't. He's an asshole the whole movie. I disagree. I don't understand how he's an asshole. I mean, he's, I understand how he's an asshole in like a Disney kind of way. I mean, he's yeah. doing things that are like, you know, but he's still, uh, I mean, he doesn't really do anything that's like that. And I think the most asshole thing he does in the whole movie is when she tells him to stop grabbing the caviar and he continues to grab the caviar off the edge of the plate. Like, that's the most asshole thing he does in the whole movie. The rest of the stuff is like she's she's collateral damage in his expanding, you know, bookstore scheme. And, And that's okay until he starts hiding his identity from her. I agree. Okay, well, that's okay. Well, now if we want to get into that, I I agree with you that that's a weird that's a weird portion of the film where he's like he knows that she is the woman he's talking to, but he doesn't reveal it and he starts to manipulate her. But I don't. Yeah, that's fi- bad. That's yeah. Ass. I agree. It's bad. I don't find it. I don't. I wasn't judging him about it though. I was judging. I was more judging her for not uh, for her reaction when he does reveal himself to being. I I was w- hoping it was you. Thank God. Let's get married. It's so yeah. fucking ridiculous. Like she should get upset with him like that's And it's like it, the movie ends in such a weird place because it feels like it's missing a third act. It's like the whole third act should be her mad at him and him trying to win her back. Yeah. But it just but it was it, already yeah, it was already it, two hours. Exactly. Because so. they wait so long to get into that. And that those those scenes where he's manipulating her are the best scenes in the whole fucking movie. And it's like I could watch that all day. Just like them walking around and him talking to her and her not knowing. And it's like funny. And it's just like it's like 15 minutes of the movie at the very end. And then it just ends. And I'm like, fuck this movie. <laughs> like, we had to wait an hour and 45 minutes to get to a good part. And here it is. And now we, it's over. Yeah, we could have got rid of a lot of the setup. We could have, you know, like. Steve's on no facial hair could have could have been cut. He doesn't. Yeah. He, what is he doing in the movie? Like he's pointless <laughs> in the movie. Well, he he's goes, in the movie because he was in that thing you do. Like that's literally the extent <laughs> of it. Like why is he in this movie? Useless. No, it's he, like, Tom, he I need shows, some work, man. I know, right? <laughs> no, he at one point, uh, you know, Tom Hanks hires him, and it's kind of just glossed yeah, but over. They, yeah, they just talk. And they about just it. talk about how he's like he's reorganizing like the children's section because well, it shows that Tom Hanks is actually putting in some effort oh into his... fuck that i didn't get that at all from it but I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, well i mean it should it shouldn't be there it, should, it, I, it's, cut it. Yeah, it's it was rid- such a like, gloss over moment can i also say that this whole like talk about technological phobias uh like the whole the whole greg kinnear character about like how technology is the worst and they had to take solitaire off the computers because people aren't getting anything done it's it's such like a late 90s paranoia y2k yeah. kind of feeling like oh that computer is disgusting. It's like her computer is like a brick that you have to have it plugged into the wall to access the internet. It's like it's ridiculous. It's like talk about how he, how he would react now, man. I love to just transport that guy to 2018 and see his head explode. I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> he actually was part of one of my favorite scenes. I really liked the stupid scene where he's watching himself get interviewed like on TV. I, I like thought that, that was funny. I think Greg Kinnear is good in it. I mean, I like Greg Kinnear in general, so I, I I'm I was pleased to see him in it, but. Uh, yeah, I just think the whole like, you know, small business championing, championing, championing is uh, 
like when I saw Tom Hanks' store, I was like, fuck this little tiny piece of shit store. I want to go in Tom Hanks' that store. That only sells kids' books. I know, right? <laughs> like, fuck that store. I want to go to Tom Hanks' it's store like, and hey, chill and relax. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could get more customers if you sold all the books. I know, right? And it's like, you're supposed to like hate this guy and hate what he's doing to her, but it's like, yeah, she's not using, she's not using her brain. She's, but you're not because you're supposed to like him because he's Tom You're Hanks. supposed to like him because he's Tom Hanks, but I'm saying like, it, it, what he's doing is, like you say, an asshole thing or whatever. And he, he is, be, like, their company is like, portrayed as like a greedy corporation who is trying to annihilate small businesses but it's like i don't want those small but i'd rather have barnes and noble because they have all the coffee and good magazines and, and blu-rays and shit you know like I, that's what i want i don't want to go to a little a little bookstore and pay twice as much for the same thing i mean it's i i, I don't know i'm just so like out of the whole like you know uh these businesses are bad because they don't they don't there's little businesses that can't survive those little businesses could survive if they would just differentiate what they're doing like if somebody comes along and does something better then that business deserves to overtake the other business that's all i have a question about meg ryan's small business is it like just a regular run-of-the-mill bookstore or is it like one of those like books are stacked to the ceiling and you can't find anything or it looks like a it looks like a walden books but it's like just for kids oh so give me a break yeah no and she does like readings for children and she's clear like she's portrayed as like this you know extremely uh pleasant uh you know very nice and caring uh perfect nothing wrong with her at all uh woman you know so she's the hero of the film okay okay and she's getting shit on by everybody or mm. by Tom Hanks and his father and grandfather. I don't know. I just didn't, I, I, I just found the whole movie to be very like ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like, I like it more when there's conflict between that. Like there's conflict between them, but it never goes anywhere because by the time she realizes what the conflict is, she's okay with it. So it's just like, what's the point yeah, of watching She basically this? is just like, this is great. I, I hate that I lost my business, but <laughs> you're so hot and you're a millionaire. So yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, what, what, what the fuck does she care if you lost your business now? We'll make her another one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he really could just like let's open that store back up. For exactly. You, babe. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just fund it every month. You know, you can have a hundred thousand dollars every month. To, yeah, or to like towards the business, the the new location. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or he, yeah, she can she could just manage one of their stores. You know, yeah. yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah, but uh, I'll just real quick. I'll say I'll say that. Uh, oh, I gave that a two and a half. And I'll just real quick say I, I watched Tully, and uh, I, I essentially uh, the twist in it, uh, which I already knew about going into it, but it's such a non like just completely unnecessary <laughs> for the film. Uh, yep. and, and I feel like it, if they had revealed it at the beginning of the film when you're first introduced to the character Tully, they revealed the twist. Then I think the film would have played a lot better actually, because you would have understood the mental state of the character. I'm probably giving away too much, but the mental state of uh Charlie Theron's character throughout the film. And it wouldn't be like a thing where you have to retroactively think about, Oh, well, that scene, she was doing this and that, you know, it's like, it's just such a pointless uh, thing to do. And I feel like, again, that's the Jason Reitman, the flashiness, you know, we got to have some kind of thing to make this more than just a drama. Well, isn't that, well, I don't know. It's Cody too. It's kind of, that, it's that, Cody that too. problem sounds like Cody. It is Cody mm-hmm. too, but it's like he he let it happen. Also, he directed it. I mean, you know, he could say, "Hey, let's change that to reveal it earlier." You know, yeah, it could still exist. Nobody, like, nobody touches Cody. I know, you right? don't touch Cody's scripts. <laughs> she, she didn't she win the Oscar for Juno? I think she did. Yeah, so she's she's above him right now. <laughs> she, yeah. yeah. All right. That's that's uh, that's it.
John? Well, shit. What am I going to talk about? I don't know. Did you watch anything? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'll <laughs> go. Uh, I guess I mentioned it already. I'll talk about Aloha. It's fresh, fresh in the brain. So, yeah, we <laughs> clearly haven't bitched about Cameron Crowe enough. So, <laughs> here's a little bit more. Um, I actually like this movie more than Middle Sky, but. <laughs> What? Have you guys seen this? No. No? Okay. Never will. <laughs> yeah, no. This is on the level of We Bought a Zoo. I will not Well, see I didn't it. see We Bought a Zoo either. But. Even Jordan hated that one. <laughs> Look, guys. Bradley Cooper, he's been injured. He's a military contractor. He's got one last chance to do something important in, in Hawaii Gonna bang with Emma the military. Stone. Oh. <laughs> Emma Stone is, uh, is his babysitter. For the, like, she's got to like watch, make oh, sure he I does his yeah. job. She's military, also. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Air Force, right? And Ooh. and Asian, sure. With blonde hair, and blue eyes, and Asian. Um, but her last name is Ning. Ning. They call it Ang. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Just Ng. Ng. And then uh, Rachel McAdams is this lost love who's in the movie for some reason. We don't really. <laughs> it's not important. But I don't know this. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a shamble, like a shabby little, little weird movie. And uh, while I was watching, I was like, this is kind of like if Richard Linklater wasn't good at, uh, at like the Hangout movie, uh. mixed with the Descendants, which is uh, that's the uh, not not the band, the uh, Alexander, yeah, no, yeah. The Alexander Payne, George Clooney movie, yeah, right? That was Alexander bad. Payne's worst film, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just you know kind of like that one best best screenplay Oscar. Did it? Oh, all, did it really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, this is like, terrible. I remember seeing that and it was like, and like one of the writers is Jim Rash, who like I knew from uh, uh, Reno Nine One One. Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. Yeah, they, uh, Nat, really? Yeah, they're a writing <laughs> team. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! That's right. I had no idea. I, I knew it was Jim Rash and somebody <clears throat> else, but like, wow. Wait, wait. That movie's bad. This movie's better than that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's also not good. Uh, I don't. There's like a bunch of weird Cameron Crow shit, like you know, music. Their music cues every four minutes. Now, which one of the Ooh. girls is the manic pixie dream girl in this one? Um, like which one of these girls is Kirsten Dunst and Elizabeth? Neither. Okay. But if you, I mean, if you have to pick one, it's Emma Stone. But she's not because she's she's not the love interest. She though, no. she is the love interest. Oh, she is. He's and into both chicks. No. Wants to work them for a two two way. No. Three-way? So like, uh, Richard McAdams is the lost love, and he's kind of like. When he sees her, he's just kind of like working through like his like lost you know lost feelings. Sure. Uh, but he falls for Emma Stone. Emma Stone falls for him. But she's like the really she's like uptight. She's like I follow the military rules. She's like she's ice, always talking she's, about Hawaii uh, to convince I, you she's from Hawaii. Iceman in Top Gun to yeah. his Maverick. Sure. Gotcha. But in uh, do 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 do. There's you know there's there's a moment you're, at you're, the end. Okay, there you go. Sorry, there's a moment at the end where. Uh, there's like a pop culture montage, almost exactly like the Vanilla Sky montage. Nice. That's my favorite part of Vanilla Sky. So. <laughs> uh, Danny McBride is in this, and he's like a commander in the military, which is ridiculous. But also, he has this like nervous hand tick, or he's always got his like hand up near his neck and and pecs, and just like is moving it around all the time. And we don't really know why. It's just I was like Cameron, why did why did you make Danny do this? It's like he's not believable as an army commander, and you gave him a nervous tick for no reason. Is it revealed in the pop culture montage? No. Okay. I thought maybe like it showed a cartoon, somebody doing it. And it was like, no. That's he's why just, he's doing that. He just know. has it. I don't know. Um, okay. That's bizarre. And then Cameron Crowe goes, he goes handheld for a lot of scenes. He's uh, like, we got to get we gotta get into 
Bradley Cooper's brain here and make it seem chaotic. Uh, <laughs> and after all that, it's still there's a lot of likable stuff, and it's uh, it's not good. I'm kind of glossing over the whole representation thing that went on with this, but well, it's mm, been written about and yeah, complained right. about a whole lot. Did and you it have an issue with it? Or, yeah, you, did you find it offensive? Or I mean, yeah, it's like why? And there's no reason to write the Emma Stone character as quarter Chinese, quarter Hawaiian. And then why? She can just be a kid who grew up in Hawaii. Right. That's white. Hawaii is part of America. It is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then it also, there's a problem, like Bradley Cooper, part of his job is to like negotiate with uh, the locals about like some land they need, the military needs. And they talk about the locals a lot, but there's really only one scene with any non-white people in the whole movie. Mm. And so that's, I think that's a bigger problem. It's, it's like, we're just, sure. we're going to talk about the Hawaiians. We're shooting there. in Hawaii and we're not showing any natives. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and we're off, we're actively talking about them in like half the scenes. We're just not showing them. Right. But whatever. It's uh, and uh, John Krasinski's in this too. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> he says, just brought it down a little bit more. He says less words than this than he does in uh in a quiet place. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, I'm going to talk that's, about that next. That's something. What'd, uh, you, what'd you give? Two this? and a half. Two and a half out of five. Uh, speaking of uh, better Bradley, than Vanilla Sky. Speaking of Bradley Cooper, uh, his new remake of A Star Is Born getting rave reviews. Oh boy! Everybody's uh, really lauding Lady Gaga's performance. I'm okay with it. All right. I'm not. I mean, I'm okay with it because I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just letting you know. I'm not. Saying I like one, the I'm A Star Is Born really. story. I'm just saying it's it's getting good reviews. Okay. And I think it still looks like absolutely fucking ridiculous. But I can't I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. Just <laughs> just listen to Don't You Want Me Baby by the Human League. It's four minutes. And it's <laughs> and I'm sure it's better than, than whatever this trash is. That's true. You guys aren't being fair. I, I don't know. I'm out Am I? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not gonna watch it ever, but I don't wanna watch it really. Uh, mm. it's embarrassing to watch the trailer. So I can only imagine how embarrassing it's going to feel <clears> to watch the actual movie. Rave reviews from the rave reviews from like a premiere screening of something. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a brewery and you're like the first of your friends to have the beer and you're like, Oh, it's so good. I've been to some place you haven't been. Right. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's how I felt when I, when I rate, when I saw the Revenant before anybody I know, and then I gave it a six out of five and it's just like, let's drop this right here. See how it reacts to that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably get a more, uh, modest reaction from the next few screenings of that movie. Unless right. it's actually really great. Yeah. Sure. I guess we'll see. Kev. So I rewatched Die Hard with a Vengeance. <sighs> it's, let's let's uh, get into it. <laughs> was this the second or third one? The third, third one, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, garbage. Yeah, I've never seen the second one, and I don't plan it's to. Terrible. Yeah, it's Rennie Harlan. Um, yeah, ugh, he cannot do what John McTiernan does. That's all. No. Um, but yeah, the this one has a lot going for it, but there there are parts that it's just it just goes too far in certain directions. Like, okay, let's let's get back to what we were doing. You know, there's some plot going on, and like you're going on a tangent and those tangents tend to be kind of long. Can you name one of the tangents? So when just they so I can just totally eviscerate you and <laughs> explain why it's awesome. So when they find <laughs> so when they finally clear everybody out and they're going into the bank and like yeah. uh, um Jeremy Irons is talk, talking to the guy in like a really obviously put on voice 
and oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're they're like going into the bank and they're like taking it over and you know like and the, like the, half an hour later McLean figures out what's what's been going on mm-hmm. and and yeah so that was one and i got to say like some of the special effects look pretty bad like the where the wire cuts the guy in half that That's and like CG, I think. like <laughs> when um so like when the water is coming down the pipe oh, and yeah, like yeah. It, and like it blows McLean yeah, but I mean, out but like, like it looks like I mean... That's a big effect, though. I mean, what are you going to do? It's 1995. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I was just, you know, I just well, expect... he, surf, he surfs on the uh, on the garbage truck, <laughs> the dump truck. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, like it just it was just, like, so glaringly yeah, yeah. obvious. Sure. It was like, ooh. Um, I like that. I like the... Uh, what I like most about this film is... Uh, or in all of... And the first Die Hard and this one is just... And John McTiernan's direction in general is just how, like, he tries to ground everything in reality. Like, he mm. try Like, like John McClane is such a schlubby piece of shit person. Yeah. Like, he's not a hero at all. He's, like, an alcoholic loser. He's hung over at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But, but he's, like, this just completely average, normal person who just happens to be very good at, at taking out terrorists, you know, <laughs> right. when, when they're in his city or when he's in theirs. So yeah. it's, like... I like and I and I like I like Jeremy Irons. I think he's comparable to to Hans in the first one. I think he's you know as good as Rickman in my opinion with his whole uh, just you know all the the back and forth that they have. Oh yeah, I'll say it's it. Wrong. I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't. I feel I feel like they have uh, a very interesting uh, interesting banter between them. Uh, it may not be quite as interesting as as Hans's banter in the first one, just only because that one's so much more simplistic. They're in, you know, they're in a building and they're talking right, over a radio. Yeah. And this one's so much more complicated. But I like the all the puzzles that he sends them on and stuff, which like in any other movie would be like totally ridiculous. But in this one, it's again it seems to be grounded in reality. It seems real. Like the whole like the jug thing where they have to fill the jugs yeah, with yeah. three gallons of water. Yeah, shit's awesome. And, <laughs> like, yeah, and like I will say, like I really like Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson as this like oh, you yeah. know buddy cop yeah. duo. Like if they were like both actually cops, like you know, it Just probably screaming at each other. Yeah, yeah, and like lady, get off the fucking phone. Yeah. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson trying to turn everything into a racial issue. <laughs> yeah, and and Willis finally called, "You're a racist. You don't yeah. like me because I'm white." <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah I really love. Um, I love the violence too. I mean, I feel like it's it's almost more graphic than the first one like the scene that you were talking about where they're infiltrating the bank and the yeah, the yeah. female terrorist has the knife and she like slices that guy's throat yeah yeah and, it's uh, intense man yeah and i think rustin said in his review like the the, eleva- the elevator the elevator shooting. scene yeah yeah, it's, yeah that it's was extreme. really extreme that was really good too like <laughs> it kicks yeah i love that too i just love i love clever shit in movies like anytime like somebody's using their brain to solve a problem and like he sees the badge and he realizes immediately, and he doesn't have to explain it to anybody. Yeah, it was explained yeah. earlier that that's not that guy's. We saw him pick the badge up off somebody else. He knows that that's that guy's badge, and he starts talking about the lotto numbers and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, to jog the memory of the audience. Like that's just brilliant screenwriting, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just yeah. really, really smart. Amazing, just a great yeah. film. I mean, yeah, like I gave it three point seven five. So, okay. well, I, I I feel like I would go five on this thing. Okay, I, okay, I, that's that's okay. I just I really I love it. I think I personally I like it better than the first one, uh, which yeah. I know like people think that's ridiculous because the first one is quite good. But just to me, it's just like everything that's good about the first one, it has it, and then more stuff because <laughs> right. it has Sam Jackson in it, and he's great. He's yeah, a great yeah. addition to the whole. And I like all the peripheral characters, like the um, like. 
what is it, Graham Green? Uh, yeah, the Graham co- Green. Yeah, and like he's great. Colin, Colin yeah, Camp. All those people, all the other cops, and like the the guy with the mustache who's like the boss. Yeah, guy. yeah. I love the whole school bombing angle thing too. Like how like how Jeremy Irons' plan is to put the whole city into disarray by saying there's a bomb in a school. Like what a brilliant idea, you know? That would totally fuck everybody up, you know? Yeah, yeah. They want to protect those schools. Yeah. But in anyway. the future. What? What? um so uh i watched uh below her mouth (laughs) which you loved this thing i know right you Uh, loved it so much below her mouth is a is is a film about uh lesbianism uh two lesbians falling in love uh and i watched it partially because i was on my way to watching disobedience because i wanted to talk about that with you but uh, we could not find it in any red box around our home, so we never watched Because my wife wanted to watch that one, too. She did not want to watch this. Um, Dis- I watched Disobedience. Sounds better. Though. Yeah. Below Her Mouth is uh, this extremely stylized, like, just like David Fincher-esque shot film that's just so cold and, like, slick looking and has so much lesbian sex that they think that you're going to realize that you're not going to realize how empty it is in every other way like there is no story in this film it's so boring and full of cliches and the acting is atrocious (laughs) and uh (laughs) it makes absolutely no sense um and uh yeah so overall just one of the worst movies i've seen in recent memory how do you hire actors for this where you're like here's a script as you can see, there are no, there's no story. It, it it's gonna read like porn. Yeah. But we're gonna market it as something else. Mm. But you will be making porn. Here's I think here's how they did it, uh, and I think that this is how they they see the film. The makers of the film see it, including the actors. I feel like they see it as some kind of like uh, feminist liberation kind of situation where it's because it's made by women, it's written by a woman, it's directed by a woman. Okay. I feel like it's uh, they think that the fact that they're making a film from a lesbian viewpoint is so original that nothing else matters. It could, the story can be anything because it's about a lesbian and it's from the perspective of a lesbian and it's about lesbian love, which is so underrepresented in, in cinema and which like, it's true. Yeah. And I agree with all of that, but I think that that's not enough. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, maybe if you're a lesbian, you'd be interested in seeing just because it's lesbians on screen. Oh, I, I relate to this person. But for me, as a straight man, I, I need more than that. I mean, unless I'm just watching it for porn value, which, you know, it works for that, I guess. But if I'm watching it as a cinematic experience, I need more than just it's about lesbians. Mm. Like, I feel like they thought, oh, Blue is the Warmest Color came out. It won the Palm Door. This opens the door to make a movie, any movie that we want about lesbians. But Blue is the Warmest Color is very like it's a it's a portrait of a very complex relationship and this is not a complex relationship at all it's like (laughs) literally this girl meets this other girl the one girl is engaged to a man but she realizes she's attracted to women so they start fucking and then the man walks in on them fucking and then it's like she leaves the man for the girl like the end of movie it's like the most boring shit i've ever seen and there's so How long is this movie? It's like 80 minutes. It feels like it's two and a half hours. And uh, and it's like, uh, it's got, I swear to God, it has six sex scenes in it, which is ridiculous because. Uh, that when, is a porn. When you watch something like Blue is Warmest Color, I think there's two sex scenes in that. And they're very long and they're very graphic. But 
after that, it's that like... That movie is very long. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Almost two and a half hours. Exactly. So right. it fits within the context of the length of the film. This one, it's just like... It literally plays like Skinamax. And uh, it's just not... It's not good. And uh, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to come off like... like the, I feel like there's a danger with a movie like this of like saying something negative about it and then coming off as homophobic or something. But I mean, it's just... It's not... It's got nothing to do with the fact that it's about lesbians. It's just a piece of shit movie. Like, it can make... There are lots of great films about gay people. This is not one of them. Mm. And I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of people are going up to bat for this movie. No, well, I I did hear some good things about it, which is what led me to it. It was on Netflix, so mm. I decided to check it out. And uh, boy, what a disappointment! I gave it a half star. Ouch! <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> we just high fived, so everyone knows. <laughs> Jr. All right. Um, fuck. Sorry. Um, I watched uh, a documentary in a in a part of a series called Forty Two Up, which is a, a documentary, a film series that was started in the sixties. Is this the most recent of these? No, no. Uh, they've done fifty four, okay. and I think sixty one should be coming out next year. Sixty. But, oh yeah, sixty one. Yeah, okay. Seven yeah. seven years, right? Yeah, they do it every seven years. This one came out in ninety eight. I'm bad at math. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it follows a bunch of kids, or they were kids in seven, 7 Up, that were like just from all over London. And the plan was to track them until, I guess they died, or until the filmmakers died. Uh, it's the same guy that's still doing it, Michael Apted, who must just be a thousand years old. <laughs> but... uh <laughs> You know, over the course of the series, it traces all these kids' lives, and they all came from from different backgrounds, different classes, and you kind of see, uh, you know, if their life is going in like the predictable, like the poor stay poor kind of thing. And for the most part, they they do. Um, but you get a lot of interesting, like the there's a lot of talk about religion and just family life and stuff that's really interesting. And each of these movies gets like longer and longer because each person's life is longer and longer. <laughs> and so that's uh, kind of a drag. They're all like two and a half hours now. Ooh. But uh, no. they're they're really interesting. And it had been probably six or seven years since I watched 35 Up, and having a nice little break was, was good. But this is a really cool series. And uh, they're like the... I guess they, got, they lucked out that some of the people ended up really interesting. Like one of the guys... Uh, he was like this really vibrant child and by 21 up he was like i'm gonna drop out of college and then 28 up he was homeless and pretty much homeless and 35 up and now he's running for like his uh, like a local uh government position in a small town Hmm. it's like it's just weird how he has uh pulled himself together he's and he's like he's still he still talks like he's homeless like he (laughs) he seems like partially gone so I'm I'm curious about watching the uh, the next couple, but yeah, interesting series. I give this a four out of five. Seven, uh, the first one, Seven Up, is only like thirty minutes. So nice. Mm. Where do you see these at? DVD. Oh, like okay. I got the DVD from Netflix. Oh, okay. Well. They probably have them in the library. Maybe. I'd have to look. All right. <clears throat> That's it. So I rewatched Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder. Starring Jimmy Stewart and Ben Gazzara and Lee Remick. 
Ben Gazzara has murdered someone who he says, and Lee Remick, his wife, says that she was raped, and he doesn't remember doing the murder, but he still turned himself in. So Jimmy Stewart is now having to defend Ben Gazzara, and he's like not sure if he should be doing this because a lot of things just aren't adding up like they should if everybody was telling the truth. And it's also a small town on like like the upper peninsula of Michigan. So, you know, like everybody knows everybody's dirty laundry and <laughs> and it's uh it's a decent courtroom drama. It actually has like the guy who plays the judge was act was an actual lawyer. This is the only movie he did. And he was representing Congress? Or like rep or basically the United States when they find when Congress just finally decided that Joseph McCarthy was full of shit and they were like, Yeah, you gotta get out of here. And so and on the next movie that I watched, uh Good Night and Good Luck, they actually have like old footage of this same guy while he's doing his thing with Congress and he's literally talks the exact same way. So I'm guessing, like, he probably had his lines, you know, on his judge desk and was just reading them out as as himself. So, but, uh, yeah, Anatomy of, Mur- of a Murder is really good. I gave that one a four. I remember loving um, the shit out of that movie. Yeah, and, uh, like, very well, though. yeah, um, shit, what's his face? Jimmy Stewart? Not Jimmy Stewart, the other guy. Um, the other guy. yeah. John Wayne. Close. Um, he was in The Hustler. Paul Jr., help me out. No. Oh, the other guy in The Hustler? Yeah, the, the other guy, guy from The Hustler. The, the, the Heart Honeymooners guy? The guy from... Um, McLeish and Rescuers Down Under. What? <laughs> Not the guy from The Honeymooners? Isn't no. You're talking uh, about the guy Jackie that, Gleason. Yeah, uh, but no. Isn't he the guy in the uh, <laughs> movie that he, on the waterfront? No. Oh, Shit, uh, what's his fucking name? Carl Malden? No. <laughs> This is ridiculous. <laughs> George C. Scott. Oh, what my the God. Fuck is I mean, wrong why don't you just say Dr. Strangelove for fuck's sake? I meant to. I was trying to get it out. <laughs> I was only, trying to. Yeah. Only uh, actor we didn't name. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he's he's really good in it, too. And he's good. Yeah. And so quick segue into Good Night and Good Luck, written and directed by George Clooney and Grant Heslov, directed by Clooney. This was a really solid movie. It's a biopic about Edward R. Murrow and him going up against Joe McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And it's a biopic that's an hour and a half. <laughs> when does that ever happen? Never. Not now. Yeah. It wouldn't like, happen now if Clooney re- if directed this today. It'd exactly. Be yeah. Yeah. And it's just like the economy it, of cinema now. Yeah. It's not an amazing movie, but it moves really quick. There's a lot of solid acting and writing in it. And yeah, like I, again, it's a biopic that's 90 minutes. I remember loving it. I've, I've seen a few times. Too. Yeah. And, uh, I remember thinking I liked uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind a lot. And then this came out and I was like, wow, Clooney is one of the great directors. And then that, that just ended. Yeah. Like everything he's done since has been absolutely terrible. <laughs> like Leatherheads is bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the one about the election. 
with Ryan Gosling. Oh, Ides of March. Ides of March yeah, is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, he's he's yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened to that guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Good night and good luck is still good. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah that's good to hear. I David, haven't seen this in a really long time. David Strathern is great. Yeah. And everything. So I, you know, he's good as Edward Romero. Yeah. Was, and I remember liking uh, Downey, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Unfortunately, so he's Clark. like, yeah. Unfortunately, he's married to Patricia Clarkson, well, which, you know, like. I'll have to rewatch she, it and see how that, see how that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're a pretty small part of the movie. Yeah. Isn't he like closeted gay or something? No, they're the, closeted married. Oh, they're married. closeted married. Yeah. That's right. It's against office policy. That's right. Yeah. Company policy. Yeah. That's right. But Jeff Daniels knew all along. I forgot he was in it too. Yeah. That's funny. And uh it's a big big old cast. Yeah. <laughs> uh well uh I watched uh Sleepless for some reason. Uh the Jamie Foxx action vehicle from last year. Um which is a remake of a French film called some some in French Sleepless Night. I don't know how you say it in French. Uh and then uh yeah, this is uh pretty bad. Uh it's about he plays like a corrupt cop in Las Vegas, which is probably the most interesting thing about it is the fact that it's set in Las Vegas because so rarely I feel like action films are set in Las Vegas or like crime films and stuff like that. They're not, you know, there's usually like New York or LA or mm. Detroit or, you know, Chicago or something, but pretty interesting setting. But, um, he's, uh, he's a special kind of terrible in this movie. I don't like Jamie Foxx normally, but like, he's really bad in this. And I think he even knew it. He's apparently, he talked a lot of shit about this movie after it came out like publicly would say bad things about it. Mm. And uh, he was really disappointed in the final product. It also stars uh, the girl from True Detective season one, uh, Michelle Monaghan. Oh, as your, your uh, favorite, as an internal affairs uh, detective who you <laughs> do not believe for a second because she looks like a supermodel. And uh, yeah, it's just really bad. His son gets kidnapped by people who, whose drugs he stole and Scoop McNary is trying to be this like badass uh, crime lord, but like all I could think about was his character and killing them softly. And he's like such a wormy guy in that movie, but he's trying <laughs> to be all badass in this. I just couldn't, I couldn't buy it. And I'll say the one bright spot uh, is um, Dermot Mulroney is in it, and he mm. plays the a casino owner, and he's a lot of fun in it. Yes, yeah. he's, he's pretty good, <laughs> and uh, he's kind of like in the caught in the middle of everything, and. Scoot McNary wants to kill him, but and he wants to kill Jamie Fox, and it's just, I don't know. It's, he's 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 pretty good in it, but everything else is uh, terrible, and the action is just really shitty. And there's nothing but CG gunfire and CG bullet hits, and it's terrible. Uh, mm. So yeah, don't please don't watch this. Don't waste your time with it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it is on Hulu. If you if you have the Showtime app on Hulu, and uh, so it's just that's the scary thing is how easy it is to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, this you know like when this trailer came out, yeah, a long time ago. Sure, it, you know it kind of seemed like the oh that'll be like just the right you know stupid kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 So and it would be like if this movie had come out in 1994, I'd probably still be rewatching it for fun every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. It's really just the. The like because if it came out in 1994, Jamie Foxx wouldn't be in it. Score, uh, there wouldn't <laughs> be any CG in it. Score, so like it uh, really alleviates a lot of the problems. It would be directed by somebody better. Score, the guy who directed it though actually did a movie that looked really interesting to me. About a it was like he's like a Swedish director, um, and he did a film that came out a couple of years ago about a disappearance of a child in Sweden. I can't remember what 
what the fuck it was called. The name of the director is Baron Bo Odar. <laughs> and he directed a film called The Silence in 2010. Have you heard of this? That's no. Apparent, oh, he's German. I'm sorry. It's a German crime film about an 11-year-old who goes missing. I don't know. It looked kind of interesting. I thought it looked style, stylish and everything. But it came out in 2010, so he's... Uh, He's awful now, but <laughs> sleepless is trash. <clears throat> and he apparently direct, this guy directs a lot of his episodes of uh, that show Dark on Netflix, which people mm. are raz- raving about because like European Stranger Things. I don't know. That's what we need. We yeah, need another Stranger totally. Things. Exactly. Totally. So uh, yeah, give it a two. It sucks. Jr. Yeah. a lot of positive film experiences in on this podcast today. It's not going to get much better. Uh, <laughs> well, cool. for me, it will. No, for well, I, I like I gave two two movies four here coming up so go ahead yeah all right let's go uh let's go quiet place did i have not seen it yeah so i just watched it oh really nice yeah, yeah okay cool um so this is john krasinski's newest directorial feature i keep wanting to say it's his directorial debut but i know it's not i just forget I about, the about other brief ones. interviews with hideous men yeah i'm pretty <laughs> sure i've seen that i think he did a, didn't he do a romantic comedy thing too with uh somebody probably hmm yeah. Mandy Moore or some shit. I don't know. Something, yes. <laughs> something about those TV romantic comedy leads that they're like, I got to go direct stuff. Yeah. Like Ted. Ted's got some some movies he's directed from How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Can't oh, remember. Oh, Josh Radner. Those, are, those, those aren't bad, ha- actually. Happy thank, happy thank You More, please. That movie's okay. I can't do the title. And uh, what's the <laughs> other one? Uh, liberal liberal arts. arts. Liberal Arts is actually better. Yeah? It's not bad. Isn't that about like him sleeping with a student? Yeah. Okay. It's I, 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 a I wanna... co- college student. I wanna, right, right. Yeah, no, no, he's not a pedophile <laughs> i like uh i just i like I, for some reason i don't know what it is about josh radner i really like him like i just like to watch him in a movie i love ted. or in a show i love ted yeah and it's like he doesn't do anything you know like that show ended and he's like he's just falling off the map and he did uh he did a musical show on uh nbc recently oh did he like where he's he's like the director of the the musical theater group Oh, okay. at a at a school. I can get into that. It looked very serious. <laughs> oh. Are you like, being are you being serious? No, like <laughs> like like the previews the previews on TV made it seem like oh this looks very dramatic. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Interesting. That's probably I Is it know. out yet or is it yeah, already it, failed I or think what? It, I think it already <laughs> failed. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not positive that I, it got canceled. Yeah, I was just I'm a big I I just like like I liked him I like him in his two movies that he's directed and uh or in those two movies and uh yeah, I just wish he was doing more stuff. That's unfortunate because yeah, I think he has a real knack for rise a certain delivery of oh I think I heard about that yeah, oh, yeah. that did already get canceled didn't okay. it okay <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh, a quiet place um, is you know just like a it's a popcorn horror movie that has a you know a gimmick and that gimmick for a while is pretty cool with the you know no one can talk thing yeah um, but then it. Things happen that make them abandon the gimmick, and it becomes a pretty standard cr- creature feature toward the end. And yeah, I think like the whatever. funny thing about it that it, that I realized while I was watching it is like, you know, it has a built-in thing for jump scares. Like it's not you know like it has a pseudo legitimate reason for jump scares because like everybody has to be super super quiet. But every now and then there's going to be a really loud noise and something bad's going to happen. Like in the, like, spoilers, like in the first five minutes we have a child die. Yeah, and that's, Um, 
I, I, yeah, I, was, because, I thought yeah. that was cool. Because uh, apparently, that. you know, like, John Krasinski's character, he can put together, like, all these, like, all this radio equipment and stuff, but he can't fucking take the batteries out of a toy, so it'll stop making noise. He can't noise. fucking protect his own family. It was, well... <laughs> So I, I, I mean, it's a. I would think that it would be a simple thing to just. This movie has a few instances where I'm like, wait, why would they not do this? Or like, there's end up being like a soundproof room. Why don't they spend more time in the soundproof room? I'm confused. Um, yeah. But like that thing at the beginning, I wasn't mad at that because you know he sets the thing down. He thinks it's like he thinks the kid won't touch it again because the kid you know has learned his lesson or whatever. Yeah. And then. The kid picks it back up, and he's you know leading the family home. And yeah, but why would you have batteries in it to begin with? They, they were at a like a, a grocery store. Yeah, I like, know, but I'm saying like if he knows there are batteries in it now, why wouldn't he take the batteries? The off kid the just well, found right. it off the rack. Again, that's what Kevin's saying. We don't like. Yeah, obviously, he when he took the toy away, he should have taken the batteries out. Yeah, but he didn't. Why not? Because because then there would it be was, no because it was a right? learning moment for him. Yeah, that ends up with a five year old being killed. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm yeah, I'm okay with a five year old dying, even if there are questions about it. it yeah, getting, I, mean, getting I, I just like the beginning of uh, Hostels, where the baby. Oh yeah, shot that's in the right, head. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, the, it, <laughs> it commits to killing that family member, and then I, I didn't think it had too many jump scares, and I liked that some of the jump scares were were like human based, not monster based. Like at one yeah. point, they just like are walking and like. A, you see a person just like rise out of the grass and it's the first non-family member that you've seen. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then you see what that other person's looking at, which is a visual jump, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Within a PG-13. Yeah. yeah. You, you see a, like a pretty mutilated body though. Yeah. Intestines. Yeah. No boobs, huh? <laughs> no tits. No. <laughs> sorry. There's a, there's a fair amount of... Okay. Be sorry to all the young people who want to see tits on the screen. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, pretty bloody childbirth. Oh, nice. But yeah, yeah. Now, did Emily Blunt actually give birth on camera here? Or was it no. staged? Because she was pregnant, wasn't she? I don't know. That, I don't she know. was pregnant during the making of that other movie that she was in this last year, which is why I say she might have been. Mary Poppins? No, um, the one with the train. Girl on the train. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I Sorry, don't, well, I don't have that information. Maybe it was yeah, a, a real. Time. She did which, not. Which give is birth another like. Oh. I do know that. Okay. Which is another big question. Like, what a waste. Well, like the 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 you know, it the opening scene is them like getting medicine. So like y'all can't pick up some condoms on the way, right? Or or like or birth control or like I don't know maybe she, maybe she, maybe she was pregnant before all this happened. Yeah, maybe. But, there's but no time, still, there's no time frame. It just, for no, she, I, I think Not she really. wasn't pregnant because I think it does say like about a year later, doesn't it? Don't we get a? Did I just make that up in my I head? I don't know. I've never well, seen I, this. I want to say like when it like before you even see anybody. I want to say it's like day fifty-one or something. That's right. And then it jumps we to like four hundred and seventy-two or something like that. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember what the second number was. Yeah, but like I think it. I think it's more than a year later where like now she's pregnant and like. Y'all could have just, you know, not done that or pulled out or gotten some condoms. Yeah. Sure. You know, I, again, splooge on the breast. That's then not... we get the tit shot we were looking for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, 
I can't handle that. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the biggest problems with this are like it. No, we're going to get serious now. We're getting serious. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Like it, it just gets, it gets too sentimental. There's like a, a sign language monologue that was, I was like, oh, come on. And, uh, yeah. It and there's also, signs. there's like, there's just, they have a they have whiteboards where like, you know, they've been thinking about like, uh, how do we stop the monsters and like writing information down that just work as exposition since they're not actually delivering exposition through dialogue, but John, call him John now. John Krasinski was like, got to have something in there. Got to explain something to the people. Mm-hmm. But well, people are dumb. So, yeah. Yeah. And he, and he knows that. So he filled his movie with some a little bit of dumb stuff. So, you know, whatever. It's a this was fine. This was fine. It was enjoyable. It, you know, it provided those that those horror thrills. Going three out of five. I gave it a two. Um. <clears throat> you want to talk about that ending? I don't know. Are the people ready for the ending? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, we can talk. Do John, you, John do you plan on ever seeing this? I've, uh, I, I listen to a, a podcast, so everything is already spoiled for me. Okay. So I know everything so about this movie. What is with you and Jonathan? Just all, you're like, a, mo- a movie a, came out. I don't I gotta, fuck about I No, I listen to a podcast regularly. If they review a movie, I don't like not listen to part of it because I don't want to. Okay. Right. Like, I don't give a fuck about this movie. The only one I did that for was uh, the, when they refer- when they reviewed First Reformed, I didn't listen to their spoiler discussion. Right. Because I didn't want to know about that one. But like most movies, like, I give a fuck about how they end or what. It's not going to bother me. And to, that's like, fine. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's about the, I mean, the film is more than its last five minutes, you know? I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, well, not, maybe not in this case. The, but. No, the, the ending yeah, of this, A Quiet Place is not like a twist or anything. They just, right. no, it's, they, it's they just, figure out a solution. Yeah, it's yeah. just like literally you can see in Emily Blunt's eyes, sequel! <laughs> Which you, you know, it's like this movie does not need a sequel. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it shouldn't have I one. I don't. I just cannot imagine that John and Emily thought this thing would gross like four hundred million dollars. Like no, they has. probably weren't expecting it to be such a big hit. But I don't think anybody was. They I don't probably know, will I, make like, a sequel though. Like they, um, I guess they really got like the people who are pro sign language. Like they, I guess, really got behind this movie because like that was the thing I had heard most about the movie is how much sign language that was in it. There is a bunch. There is a bunch. I think but, it'll be. Uh, I think if they make a sequel. It, None, nobody will be involved with it from the first one. I don't think Krasinski would re, like do a sequel to it, and I'm sure that his mm-hmm. wife certainly wouldn't. She's way too big for that without him being involved. So yeah. it's probably, it'll probably be like a well, like a, like nah. the purge, you know? And, I, mean, I, I, right. I was gonna say I could do a sequel if we follow totally different people and like a, yeah, that's maybe a different probably, part of the yeah, world. That's what they'll and, do, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Somebody with a tone generator and a really high power tweeter. They should do like a uh, yeah like right. a, like the like the sequel to Tremors where the guy just hunts Tremors the whole movie yeah yeah maybe like a sequel about a guy who just hunts them yeah the creatures in this film I forgot about that whole series Taylor Kitsch <laughs> with a knife there you go. and a loincloth get Taylor Kitsch in there man yeah he's, he's right for something like some direct to video yeah. trash like something this. where he doesn't have to talk <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah perfect yeah well, he talks with such a low decibel like, <laughs> they probably couldn't hear it anyway. they couldn't, yeah they yeah get that up. All right. Well, uh, Don't make fun of Taylor. I watched uh, <laughs> Die Nibelungen, Lungen, uh, which is a silent film from 1924, directed by Fritz Lang. The first one, Siegfried. It's good German. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, 
I tried to read the uh, like the boards are all in German in the middle, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. and as I tried to read them in my mind as I was watching it, and I was like, I am terrible. I cannot. I couldn't make out half of it. But uh, it is. It's written in like a really weird font, though. Also, it's like you know, you know German at all? No, I'm just saying like I couldn't like say it properly. Oh, okay. Like I was just like I couldn't even think of like how German people sound. Like while I was watching, I was like, how did they? I kept saying it. And I was like, I sound like I'm Norwegian when I'm saying saying it in my mind. But anyway, um, like a didn't you? Know? <laughs> I was just about to say, don't do the accent. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is uh, this is my first Fritz Lang movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've you never seen uh, M or Metropolis of space or uh, <laughs> or anything. Uh, the Big Heat or any of the other uh, well-known Fritz Lang films. This one's been on my radar for a while, though, because uh, I just I liked I like the idea of it. I like the story of the uh, just like when you just hear about like a plot synopsis of like this guy forges his own sword and then has to fight a dragon and bathe in his blood. <laughs> like yeah. just sounds kick total fucking ass. And like he touches the blood and he can all of a sudden understand the language of birds and the birds tell him to bathe in it. Like it's just so fucking cool. Uh, anyway, but yeah, the, I think um, it's really long. So there's that it's like two and a half hours long, but you know, when you're, uh, you know, your kids are, are working hard on their Chromebooks and you're just, you just crank this thing up on your, on your computer and just watch it in like 10 minute segments, you know? Are you not going to watch the second one? I am. Indeed, okay. Yeah. Definitely going to watch Cream Hill's Revenge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cream Hill's Revenge? Yeah. Cream Hill's Revenge. <laughs> like cream all over everybody. Uh, I, uh, but yeah, it's, I liked it. I, I really, I will say that the first act is like way stronger than the second two acts. Like him, like Siegfried, on his journey to find the princess or whatever, all the stuff with where he runs into the dwarf guy with the invisibility net and like all the fantasy elements to it. Uh, like the, when they find the treasure and the treasures being held up by the dwarves, such a weird, this really cool. Like who are these dwarves? Their, Their job is to hold up this treasure pit bowl thing. Like they just stand there and hold this shit up all day. And they turn into stone. Just amazing. <laughs> like, really, really cool effects. Uh, all, you know, practical uh, editing effects that they use in this movie. And, uh, yeah, I just really, really, really enjoyed all of that stuff. I liked all the fantasy elements of it. And uh, towards the end where it gets more into the, like, the love story and things like that, it gets slightly less interesting. But, um, overall, I, I'd say I really enjoyed it. And I will say that... I watched, started watching a, a GW Pabst film on YouTube. This is on YouTube also. Started watching a film called The White Hell of Pitts Palou. Have you heard this? It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like a mountain film. And uh, I'll say that, like, already, I'm like 20 minutes into that one. And it's way more interestingly directed than this movie. And I understand it's like five years later, I think, like that or something like that. But, like, this movie is nothing but static shots. Like, the camera never moves for two and a half hours. Like, it's just like static shot. They walk out of frame, another static shot of them and another, you know what I mean? And it gets a little tiring, but, uh, in, in the white hell of Pitts Blue, it's like already like the camera's moving all over the place and it's like super like intense close ups of people and stuff. That's like way, it's just way more interesting already. And aesthetically Lang would get more interesting almost I, I immediately oh, yeah, after sure. this. Yeah. I'm, I'm what, like starting with the sequel to this or. Oh, I don't know, but like with Metropolis. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to watch all of those also at some point. I, I mean, I like this film a lot. I just, 
I was I was interested at in how because I remember when I watched uh, whatever that fucking movie was called about with the Indians, the silent film that I watched on Netflix, something about the Dawn, Daughter of the Dawn. Uh, I was talking about how the the direction was very like simplistic, and I was saying that there's just like the time period, and you were saying that it's at that time they were making interesting looking. And I watched this, and it's like it's the same thing. It's just like the direction is not interesting in this movie, <laughs> but the the everything else, the visuals are amazing. So. Which is really cool. This is really, really cool. Give it a four. Is this your favorite silent film that you've ever seen? Uh, I'd be like, I'd have to rewatch Nosferatu. Sorry. I like Nosferatu <laughs> a lot when I saw it, but it's been a long time. But yeah, I'd say right now, yeah. Cool. I haven't seen that many silent films. So. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think I think I think three. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, sure. I guess I saw. Well, if you count like Unshin and Delu as a silent film, I've seen that. I would. It was made it's a short in film the film, but yeah, yeah, made in the period. Yeah, it's like twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, yeah. something like that. I like that. I like that one. That would that would be my favorite if we're gonna count it. <laughs> that and like and even like uh, you know, uh, what the fuck the the woman? What's her name that directs all the experimental stuff in the forties? Maya Darren. Yeah, her, Maya Darren. Her stuff is good. But yeah, so I gave this a four. I'm gonna watch the uh, other one at some point. Cool. Gonna finish Pitts Blue first. It's really exciting already because they like have this woman who just fell into the crevice in a crate in a, in a uh, glacier, and she just like slams into the side of the wall and kicks total ass. Ouch! And just like all I want to do right now is we feel like watch this Fritz Lang movie, this Fritz Lang movie, and then this <laughs> Paps movie because they got they got a bunch. Paps, I, uh, is, Paps is great. I I I was looking for well, I, I, the first thing I looked for with Paps was the the stuff that came out on Criterion recently because Pandora's box. Oh no, recently the, yeah, like, the Camera uh, Shaft and. Uh, yeah. The World War One one, I can't remember. I think it's West Front, nineteen eighteen yeah, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I wanted to check those out, but they're not on. They're not on YouTube. So, <laughs> <laughs> the White Hell of Pitts Blue is on YouTube. But they're good. I will watch every movie I can eventually. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Uh, just gonna try to work my way through them. Got a lot of stuff to watch. Yeah. JR? Okay. Um. I don't want to talk about. You want to talk about Archangel? Nah. No, <laughs> we'll do. I'll do one more, and then uh, okay. you can do Archangel. Okay. Um, I watched Beirut, which is a Brad Anderson movie that came out earlier this year, starring John Hamm and Rosamund Pike. Did Ew, you see that? It's a recipe for disaster, right there. <laughs> John, John Hamm, Rosamund Pike, and Brad Anderson. Ouch! In yeah. a drama. <laughs> I like John Hamm in comedies, not so much in dramas. I like John Hamm. And when he has like three lines in the town and they're really funny to rewatch those lines because he's just so <laughs> terrible. But other than that, he's the worst. Well, I don't think he's the worst. He is awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, this is about John Hamm talks a lot. He's a, uh, <laughs> he's a negotiator brought back to Lebanon where he previously lived with his wife and his wife was killed. And now he's sad and drunk. Um, <laughs> and he's brought back to like, negotiate the release of an American CIA guy that's been kidnapped by local insurgents. <gasps> and, uh, you know, my note here was John Hamm does ham things. <laughs> and, uh, and Rosamund Pike, it's a useless role. And Dean Norris has a really bad wig, <sighs> but despite all that, it kind of like, it's kind of good. Oh, it's like a you know it's like a, a nice little simple thriller mm-hmm. where like it's not based on 
it's not based on double crosses and stupid uh or you know bad plot twists or anything like that and just kind of moves quickly from uh beat to beat and it's pretty entertaining is uh is there good action in it yeah there are a couple of good scenes of good action and there's one at the end when they're you know at like the like i don't know i don't know uh I don't know hostage terms. They're like the they're gonna trade trade the hostage there we go. table. I don't know, like where they're actually gonna trade the hostage. Oh yeah, the meetup, oh, the exchange, exchange. <laughs> prisoner exchange. I don't, have, I don't have my words today, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that devolves in a nice, nice. action filled way. I love that shit. I but love um, shit devolves. I don't. I just can't. I can't get into Rosamund Pike. She's the horse. She's pretty bad. <laughs> She's constantly. It's, her she choices just, are so yeah. strange. Like after Gone Girl, like you would think that would have propelled her into like, you know, a list status. But she keeps doing these very bizarre, like political movies, like the thing where the Entebbe movie. Entebbe, yeah, and, and she's, she's there's something else thing. too she's where in, she's like, yeah. I don't know, some like a. Fuck. She's got like like scar makeup on her face, and she's, <laughs> she's like. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird because like I keep watching these older movies, and she just pops up in them. I'm like, I didn't know she was in this. Right? She was in um, The World's End, which was mind. weird. Yeah, <laughs> I really, lost, I really like The movie. World's End. She's and like, she's like, she's okay, in but... The Libertine and Pride and Prejudice. Like, I would never, I don't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Die Another Day. She's in the Carrie Mulligan movie that blew Carrie Mulligan up. Not, not uh, like blew her into a star. She, she did. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember the name of that movie. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, uh, uh, an education. Yeah. Okay. Isn't she in an education? I don't know. A private war. This is the one. Yeah, right. Sure, she's got like an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> this movie looks ridiculous. <laughs> she plays Marie Colvin, who's like a a person, a report war journalist. Just weird choices. I don't know. It reminds Lord. me of uh, Angelina Jolie back in like the year two thousand when she did like uh. Oh, what's that war movie she did? I can't even remember what the fuck it's called now. I want to say Harrison's Flowers, but she's not in that. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. It just remind. It's just it's oh, a, a Mighty Heart. It reminds me of a Mighty Heart. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with a title like that has yeah, got to be just like straight nobody's trash. Nobody's gonna see that. <laughs> I saw it, but nobody else. <laughs> I hope. I hope that all of these weird little movies Rosamund is doing. Are, I hope they're giving her. More things to do than she has in like the stuff I've seen her in, and especially Beirut, right? But I don't know. Well, I'm not going to watch those movies, so I guess I'll never know. Mm. Yeah, she was really bad in Hostels too. I forgot she's in that shit. Yeah, she's awful. I yeah. can't stand her. Anyway, Drew's mm. still out for me. I don't know. I haven't seen enough, and she's not bad in Gone Girl. She's okay in Gone Girl. I agree. She's yeah. Right. She's uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah movie surrounding her is not amazing but all right 3.25 for beirut cool so i watched the fog of war it's a documentary about robert mcnamara and most of it is um him talking to errol morris and a camera and there's also like um sound from like actual conversations that he had with like presidents and other stuff. And it's a really interesting documentary. Like it sheds a lot of light on what was going on in the late fifties and sixties and like what you know, like the really like gray area that is 
Vietnam and why they were there in the first place, why they felt like they had to be there and McNamara and Kennedy trying to like get out of it. And then LBJ is like, no, we got to stay. And McNamara is like, well, we got to, we got to figure this out. And LBJ is like, no, 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 we can't do that. And you know, people lying to each other and just, just a really, really bad time for the world. And Robert McNamara is smack in the middle of it and kind of like trying to get it to go in a right in the right direction, but it's not. And like, you know, maybe he's complicit in certain things, but maybe he's not because, you know, even though he's the secretary of defense, they really didn't tell him a lot of things that he needed to know. And yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting documentary. Like, and how often do you actually get to like sit down with someone like that and get their story? You know, it's doesn't happen very often. And I also watched Chappell- unless you're Errol Morris, exactly. That happens a couple of times. Yeah, because then you get Herzog to eat a shoe. <laughs> that that too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also the uh, the uh, he's oh, no, with, no. With the, yeah Rumsfeld, right? So, right, yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, I also watched Chappaquiddick, mm. and I did too. Oh, I think like like it's probably <laughs> like I'm not big into the office so like it you know it plays differently for me but I really liked Ed Helm in this movie Helms Helms okay <laughs> he's uh, yeah I, am I thinking uh, of someone else named Helm I don't know Richard Helm the CIA oh, maybe. Guy? I don't know Ed, Ed Helms is uh, did I say a lot of negative stuff about him you uh, said he was like the one performance you didn't like I, well, I just, or like he was like yeah. maybe not bad but like distracting but yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I will still say that I, okay. I think that is true I can, I can I can see that from like that Jason I found like Jason Clark was like Jason Clark puts in a really incredibly good performance in this and I feel like I it's agree. not getting talked about and I don't that's know why. a Jason Clark has like just enough facial prosthetic on his face to freak me out a little bit because <laughs> like it's definitely jason clark but it's definitely yeah. not jason clark yeah he looks a lot like him like you look up yeah. pictures of ted kennedy at the time it looks a yeah lot like yeah him. and uh it freaks me out yeah and of course clancy brown is matt oh, that's fucking amazing. ruled amazing he's, yeah he's great he's terrific great, yeah so great yeah to have him back yeah both both those four out of five awesome what'd you give uh the old uh, Clancy. No, what did you give Chip Chappaquiddick? <laughs> give it three and a half. Oh, fuck you, John. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about Grand Angel because I got two more movies that I want to talk about first. Fine. And uh, I can get through them at the same time because they're sequels to one another. I watched Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2. Rewatched Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2. Young Guns 1, Young Guns, is directed by Christopher Kane, uh, who... I uh, I mean it's not really it didn't really go anywhere with his career after this one and I'm not really sure what happened or if like he had a falling out with people or something but he's not involved in the second film. The first film is about Billy the Kid played by Emilio Estevez who uh is taken in by John Tunstall played by Terrence Stamp and he meets uh Kiefer Sutherland and uh Lou Diamond Phillips and Charlie Sheen, his brother, but they're not brothers in the film. Whole crew, yeah, just a lot of your your brat packers there, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he kind of joins their group, and then John Tunstall gets killed, and they go on a revenge rampage against uh, Curly from uh, City Slickers. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Jack, Jack Palance? Palance. Yeah, all oh, right. right. They go against Jack Palance, and uh, it's a really uh, 
tonally strange western action uh brat pack hybrid yeah i wouldn't say it's it's actually not as comedic as the second one and which is a problem i think because i think it works Mm -hmm. better when when emilio estevez in particular is trying to be funny he's very good uh this one's a lot more try it feels like it's trying to be more historically accurate and like trying to tell a serious story Uh and it's very uh it gets like weirdly graphically violent at one point like he blows this guy's head off and there's like a huge gaping hole in his head and like brain matter goes all over keith sutherland's face i don't know it's just a weird moment it's not really necessary and then someone makes a joke no 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 just blows his head off and then (laughs) shoots him in the chest again <laughs> throws him in the river. He's probably know. dead. Yeah, yeah. The first time I mean, yeah, he reacts when he shoots him in the chest, though he goes like, <laughs> "I don't, I don't know." But uh, uh, a good, good squib and good blood and everything. But just, I don't know, kind of weird that it's in. It just doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie because the score mm. does a lot to hurt this thing. It's uh, got this really like cheesy '80s electric guitar score thing going on, mm. and. Uh, Charlie Sheen is pretty awful in it. He's trying to do like a country accent and he can't do it at all. And uh, <laughs> apparently he couldn't ride his horse very well and people were making fun of him on the set. <laughs> he gets killed about halfway through though. Look so at Charlie, he's a little bitch. I know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, it ends weirdly enough. I guess they knew they were going to make a sequel because it ends without like they don't go into any of the Pat Garrett stuff or anything like that in this one. Pat Garrett is in it. But he's only in two scenes, and he's played by John Wayne's son, mm. uh, Patrick Wayne or something. I don't know. And um, is he terrible? He's actually not that bad, to be honest. He kind of sounds like his dad, and uh, he's mm. all right. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to do. He's got like three lines in the movie. But uh, then the second film comes around two years later. Okay, and I gave the first one a three out of five, and uh, I've seen it only once before. I've seen the second one about two hundred times. It's not a lot. <laughs> I've seen it a lot. Uh, everything that's wrong with the first one remedied in the second one like they it's like they took it and were like this movie is not very good let's make it great and then they do it and i'm (laughs) telling you it works and it's the weirdest thing too because it's like they get rid of whoever was doing the shitty weird 80s score and they get in alan silvestri who's just a you know just a fucking jobber of a composer and he puts together just the most classic perfect western score with this thing and it's just brilliant sounding like it works so well with the film and they get john bon jovi in there to do his song for the end credits you know down in the blaze of glory and all that shit you know and it's not a bad song you know (laughs) and yeah the writing in the second one is just so much better than the writing in the first one and emilio Estevez has so many classic just great lines funny lines like the judge tells him he's going to be sentenced to hang until he's dead 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 he goes, do you have anything to say? And he goes, you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> just a good line. And uh, all these just different crazy situations that he gets himself into and he somehow gets out of them just by sheer cleverness or luck or people helping him. I don't know. It's just a really fun, fun movie. And every bit as violent as the first one, but rated PG-13 somehow. So I don't understand what changed. Even, and they actually have nudity in this one and they don't in the first one. So hmm. and the first one's a hard R. So it's just a weird. I don't know how they did that. Second one's directed by Jeff Murphy, who I don't know what he did, but um, if you haven't seen, uh, if you haven't seen uh, Young Guns two in particular, I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu, and it is a blast. 
It's got uh, William Peterson in it, who's trash, just absolute <laughs> trash. Uh, and he plays Pat Garrett. And uh, it's weird, though, because they, they make it... I don't know anything about the actual story. I know a little bit, because I've read the entire Wikipedia page of uh, Brushy Bill Roberts, who's the guy who claimed to be him, and that plays a part in this film. But um, they play it like Pat Garrett and him were buddies and like were riding together and doing crimes. And then he Pat Garrett stopped doing crimes and James Coburn who plays John Chisholm uh hires him to kill Billy the Kid and so it's like a Judas Iscariot kind of thing mm. I'm not sure how accurate that is but it works really well in the film does uh the governor pardon Billy the Kid in this one the governor makes a deal with him and then reneges on it he he, he, he plays him a little bit okay and uh and Billy the Kid's not happy about it. I can I miss yeah. little little trivia. The the governor who pardoned Billy the Kid in real life also wrote the novel of Ben Hur. That's weird. Yeah. That is really strange. Uh yeah, but uh actually the guy who plays the governor is really good in this too. But and all it's got a lot of like side out like Viggo Mortensen's in it. He's really good. Uh how's John Wayne's son in this one? He's not in it because Pat Garrett is played by William Peterson in this. Oh, they change it. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, all, all the acting is pretty solid. Uh, Alan Ruck is in it in a weird, uh, he's got like this super thick uh, bumpkin accent that he puts on. <laughs> it's amazing. He's really fun. Christian Slater is in it as uh, Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh, <laughs> who's apparently a real person. A lot of these people are real people. And then Kiefer Sutherland comes back. Lou Diamond Phillips comes back. It's just a good movie. Just a lot of fun to watch. Check it out. I don't think I've ever once thought about watching this movie. So. You should watch it because I, yeah. I noticed that you've seen the first one and you've mm-hmm. not seen this. This one is much better than the first one. Yeah, I remember not liking Young Guns. Mm. Have you not seen two? I haven't seen I've, two. Oh man, yeah, watch two, guys. All right. Two is a blast. You know what it reminds me of? It's like this is going to sound negative, but it reminds me of like what they were trying to do when they did that. Uh, what's that movie with Colin Farrell and like Scott Kahn from the early 2000s where it's a, it's a Western? SWAT. No, it was a Western. <laughs> it was a Western and it was like about Jesse James, but it was like super hmm. action driven and like hmm. absolutely ridiculous looking. This does not sound familiar to me. No, it was like there was like one part in the trailer where he's like he had like a rope and he's like running alongside of a train, like firing into the windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to look it up right now. Right now, it's called American Outlaws. Yeah, this movie's terrible, and uh, <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it came out in two thousand one. Anyway, but yeah, it reminds yeah. me. Of, it reminds me of that in as much as it's cast with all these young, you know, up and coming, you know, pop Hollywood actors, right? But it's a western, which is like this old thing that nobody gives a fuck about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, which I mean, is why American Outlaws tanked. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Even though it had Allie Larder in it, you gotta like Allie. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, this is my last one. Uh, Two for the Road. It's a 1967 drama by Stanley Donen, who is probably best known as the director of Singing in the Rain and a few other musicals. Charade. Charade, yeah. <laughs> Good. I like Charade. I've only seen Bedazzled. And, and, well, I've seen Singing in the Rain. I yeah, do not like Bedazzled. But uh, this has Albert Finney and Audrey, sorry, Audrey Hepburn. I, was about to, I, was about to, I could only remember Catherine's name for a second. I was like, mm. That's not right. 
Um, and they're a married couple on a road trip in France, and they're just like they fucking hate each other, just hate <laughs> the shit out of each other. <laughs> and uh, this trip is intercut throughout the whole movie with two other road trips they take through France. One like when they have just met and they're like about to get married and they're so in love. And another one, like six years later when they're having like their first problems and, uh, you know, it's like Don and Finney and Hepburn are all just at their most mediocre, which is a really bummer. Cause, uh, I thought this story of like, uh, marital trouble and like how you get through, you know, relationship problems should have been like really relatable. It should have been good. It goes to dark places that should have been interesting. And instead it's not. And then of course, at the end, they kind of try to make, try to make the relationship falling apart. The woman's fault, even though Fanny's been the fucking shitty asshole, the whole movie. But is he really an asshole or is he just an asshole because you think like, on you know, <laughs> you've got mail. Is he actually an asshole or? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty, I mean, he's like, he's really abrasive oh. and you know, the stuff in the first, like the, like the first trip they take that's cut through the whole movie. He's, you know, they're both in, they're supposed to be in love and he's not an asshole then, but he seems to quickly become very just like success driven and he ignores his family and he's like he's always like i didn't want to have a kid so i don't want to care about the child and just stuff like that cool and you know he he fucks other women and it's like treated as kind of like a a, like a like no one cares he's a man so he can do that it's fine yeah it's the 60s man it's free love yeah Mm -hmm. so audrey hepburn gets so fed up and like finds herself in the arms of some other guy but the movie has to stop we gotta like have this big emotional breakdown and it's how dare she cheat on Albert Finney? Right. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, this is a, uh, it's two and a half. It's a, uh, it's a bummer. Stanley Donan has made some bad movies, but I always want them to be good. Cause I love seeing in the rain and, uh, it's always fair weather so much. <clears throat> well, that's uh, too bad there. JR yeah. right. Kev. Uh, yeah, I'll wrap up. So I watched, I've, when I went to get Avengers at Best Buy, they also had First Reformed, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to get this. Oh, you bought That's First Reformed? Oh, yeah. Which yeah. Pretty good. Um, How much was it? It was like $19.99. Good God. Okay, go ahead. What, what, is it, what is it supposed to be? I would like for it to be seven ninety nine personally. That's what he'll wait for. Yeah. Okay. You know. I'm, but, uh, I'm in no rush. I just saw it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. I really liked it, but not quite as much as you and you and Jonathan. Like, I don't know for. I, you for, didn't get it. Apparently, <laughs> no, apparently. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just thought like it. It seemed to be going like in certain directions, and then it just starts to go, and then backs off, and starts to go, and backs off, and it's like yeah. I thought it should have gone like further into like some more esoteric territory. Mm. Um, wasn't crazy about the ending. Okay. Um, but yeah, still a really solid movie. Probably the best thing I've seen, the best I've ever seen Ethan Hawke do as far mm-hmm, as acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and great. Cedric the Entertainer, he's great. I would say it's. I, I I agree. It's as far as like a controlled performance. It's probably his best performance. I still find like his impromptu like Linklater stuff a lot. Like yeah, a, yeah a, I really more like, fun. But yeah, for sure. But you could tell he's like 
he's lived with that dialogue for a lot longer. And this one, he's, yeah, he's a little yeah. bit more, you know, he's trying a lot harder in this movie, which is fine. It's he's great in it, but you know, yeah. And I also, since y'all were talking a little bit about blue ruin on oh, the yeah. podcast last time, Oh yeah. I was, I got it. I loved it. Yeah. It's great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was an easy five. Like, and I want to bring up Amy Hargreaves. She needs to be in more stuff. Who is this? Uh, the woman who plays his sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she was also the mom in Super Dark Times. Like oh, she, right. she is really great. And she needs to be in more stuff. I remember liking her a lot in Super Dark Times. Right. Yeah, and like, and the scene, the scene that they have in Blue Ruin in the diner, yeah. where like both of them are just trying so hard not to break down, and the, the guy asks for ketchup, and like their you know world is basically shattered, but like they're holding it back so much that they don't fall apart. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I remember and, the first time I watched it, being really disappointed when he shaves his beard. Because he, he looks so much like a like a nerdy schlub when he shaves his beard. But he does. He looks yeah. so badass with the beard. You know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great too that you know, like uh, he doesn't all of a sudden some, become some badass with a gun. Like he's oh, yeah. really bad he's at it. And, yeah. But like he's you know, but <laughs> he, he's hell bent on. He just knows what he has to do. Yes. And he doesn't yes. care about his skill level. Yeah, and yeah. like his acting when he gets wounded, mm-hmm. like it's very very believable. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he's not just screaming his head off the entire time, or you know. He's just gritting his teeth and getting through it. And the violence is um, Cohen Brothers level. I yeah, mean, it's incredible how good the violence is and how like good it looks. Yeah, so like between that and like Green Room, I'm really looking forward to Hold the Dark. Oh yeah, yeah. Salnier is the man. Mm. And like I, I was reading, like he apparently was going to do more episodes of True Detective, but like scheduling conflicts yeah, he got him out of it. Drop out, yeah. Spot. Yeah, so I was really excited when I heard he was involved. Yeah, still apparently did direct two or three of them, so I'm I'm, I'm in. You know, yes. but uh, yeah, he's great. Cool. I guess I should watch First Reformed at some point. I'm surprised you haven't. Already. Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe it's out like, now. It's got to be so overrated. I just haven't, yeah. haven't gotten around to it yet. I'll, I need to do that. Yeah. Too busy watching re- ancient Stanley Donan pictures that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> I reread yeah. uh, John's letterbox review of it, and it's like five stars, and then like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck yeah. this, fuck that. It's very it's like, upset it has that nothing night. to do with the movie. No, I was very mad about but, uh, the manship that night. But uh, I, I can understand, because like, I had the same... This, Two times that I've gone to see old movies at Perkins Row, it's the same fucking thing. That's why I didn't go see. They re-released 2001 last. Oh week yeah, and I I didn't. I couldn't. I was like, I'm not going to this because it's going to be a nightmare with all the hipsters trying to watch this movie. That's yeah. They don't remember how slow and ridiculously like you know esoteric it is. So yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I watched Archangel as was my assignment from uh, Mr. Ryan here and. Uh, yeah, it's a Guy Madden movie from 1990 starring nobody about uh, a bunch of people in Russia and one of them's a soldier and he falls in love with this girl who he thinks is this other girl and then he stays with this family and the one boy <laughs> is naked a lot and... Uh, I didn't remember the naked the naked boy. Uh, yeah, he climbs into bed with him at one point. It's pretty weird. That was weird. And uh, <laughs> It's in Russia. It's, it's for warmth. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Still weird. And it's like weird 
it's such a weird movie aesthetically because it plays like a silent film partially, but there's audio in it and it's all overdubbed and, and it's like they choose sometimes they'll be talking and it'll be, you can hear what they're saying. And other times they just talk and it's silent. (laughs) And it's such a strange choice. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just a really weird choice. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think overall I'd say it really just didn't work for me. The movie in general, uh, I don't, maybe I'm not getting something about it, but it was, uh, I hate to use the word boring, but it was a little boring. Yeah. And sorry, um, John, you don't need to, apologize. I mean, I assigned this to you for selfish reasons. I wanted to rewatch it. I'm thrilled that you assigned it to me. I love to watch stuff, you know, yeah. I'm glad it's my marked it off my list now. You know, I can watch and, more guy Madden stuff now and know what he's all about. Yeah. And this, this is maybe one of his longer movies. I think the longest was his most recent Forbidden Room, but a couple of his great ones, or the ones I think are great, are, you know, less than 80 minutes. Nice. Uh, I think this one was like 84 or something. It was was short. It's short. But um, I didn't remember a whole lot about this movie, but I did remember the aesthetic, and he uses that a few times. But Mm -hmm. uh, it's like the whole movie is like a memory that he has had it's like it's very surreal yeah and like the way the dialogue plays it's like it's like he had this memory of a silent movie and so all of the actors are acting like they they all speak like with their 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 mouths are opening and closing dramatically uh just because it's it's like they're not supposed to actually be talking and then there is uh and there's the dialogue overdubbed and that dialogue is it's melodramatic but it's toned down from what they're like clearly mouthing yeah and it's it's almost like they're very calm and like monotone almost and it's like that's that's what he imagines the like silent film stars are talking like or something it's just very strange and that i really like i like the setting i like that he set this in like a a part of russia that doesn't know that the russia's out of the war yet Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. world war Mm one i thought that was really cool because it, it creates like this little bubble of a reality that probably didn't exist. Because this, I don't know, nothing in this movie is real. <laughs> no. It reminded me a lot of uh, early Von Trier films, like Europa specifically, mm-hmm. and uh, and also Element of Crime, uh, just from a visual standpoint. And just from the fact that it's like, it feels like a very you know, like he had a very specific experiment that he's trying to do here. You know, I'm going to make this film like this. And it's going to, like you said, it's going to look like a silent film, but it's like my memory of a silent film, you know, and it it feels a little bit, uh, art schooly, but not in a pejorative way. Not to say like he, you know, like fuck this guy. Cause he's feels like he's immature, but it just feels like, uh, something that you wouldn't do. Like he probably would not make, have made a film, well, I would say, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his later films are. Like, I watched part of Forbidden Room a long time ago. Or, I mean, it's from, like, 2015, but, like, a couple of years ago. And uh, it, it's, I would say it's got similarities uh, yeah. aesthetically. But it feels like something that, you you know, you would do this once and then you would move on to something else, you know? No. <laughs> like, his his next movie is one of my favorites called uh, Careful. Mm-hmm. It's set in the Swiss Alps. I, like a, I read about this one. This one sounds really interesting. It, actually, it is. Yeah, and uh, where they have to mind their movements because they're afraid of an avalanche. Like that yeah. sounds. So great. It's basically like a quiet place. Everyone <laughs> is so 
they're all so repressed. Like they won't, you can't make noise during sex, you know, like you can't do anything because like an, there's an avalanche will come. And I think that, uh, that does this style in a more conventionally entertaining way. Yeah. It's, all, it's also just really smart. Good. But, that uh, sounds really good. He has another one. It was, uh, I kept hoping this would show up on Criterion because it was released through IFC. Uh, it was called My Winnipeg, which is like That's a... on Criterion. No, Brand Upon the Brain is on Criterion. No, My Winnipeg is on Criterion. Bullshit. No, Maybe. Okay, not cool. bullshit <laughs> at all. It was released the same time that uh, Gates of Heaven and the Errol Morris documentaries okay. Vernon, Florida were released. Well, cool. I'm awesome. 99.9% sure I'll double check right now, though. But that movie... It's got like the silent aesthetic, but it's it's like a narrated pseudo documentary about my about Winnipeg, the city in Canada, and it's yeah, it's, it's on hilarious. It's on Criterion, bud. Sorry so, to sorry to burst your fucking bubble. <laughs> okay, so okay, yeah. Archangel is definitely not. I, I like I like Forbidden Room, my Winnipeg, and it's careful spine more. Spine number seven forty one, John. <laughs> that was that was a while ago. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, you know... Wasn't it like a... Two, wasn't it also a twofer, though? I feel like it was also a twofer. Like the Vernon, so. Florida thing. Maybe not. No, it looks like it's it just... Brand Upon the those. Brain came out a few years prior. I do know that, but that's not on blue. This is on blue. I gotta buy this. Yeah, man. How it's do you not know it. this shit? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's got like the horse on the cover. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah Archangel is like a very... I, I got into the flow. Yeah. And... It, it worked for me, but I can, as I was watching, I was like, oh, there's no, I love the, there's no way. I really like the sound design of it. Like, I like how there's constantly like, like, um, what do they call Like ex, exegesical sounds. I don't forget what they, <laughs> that word is, but e- exegesis. No, no, <laughs> there's a word for it. Anyways, it's like sounds that are happening that clearly aren't part of the frame or like going on in the actuality of the film. Kind of like, um, picnic at hanging rock. Mm-hmm. And I like that, and I like the way the sound sounds. Like, I like how it sounds like it was recorded on, like, a Victrola or something, you know, or, like, an Edison wax cylinder. You know, it's very, like, haggard-sounding, and I think that really works for it. I like to just, whenever it is it is silent, it's not silent. It's, like, got the, you know, like, I think that all works really well. And this, that definitely creates an atmosphere. And I was going to say, it's like it's, like, early Von Trier, but it's, like, with the imagery of, like, Lynch short films. Like, it's got a lot of, like really surrealist weird imagery in it and some of the um i'm sure there's like budget constraints but like when especially when they're in the plane and like the plane is like clearly made of cloth and it's like ruffling and stuff while they're (laughs) they're trying to act like they're in a plane (laughs) it's just (laughs) ridiculous looking that's not a bad thing though it's just like it's just an interesting uh like i say it just gets tiring after a while that's all Mm. just beat me over the head a little bit too much he also he has one that actually has real actors in it oh uh saddest music in the world yes. i actually bought that on dvd from a thrift store and i have yet to watch it but i like that one also. it's one of that's i think that's one's longer than most of the other ones yes mm, yeah. it is i have not uh but i will yeah. i will eventually watch it's it. interesting they're all they're all interesting and i i like most of them but i also have like a it's hard for me to like rank his movies because like they're so just like moody and i, I don't mm-hmm. know if like the ones I didn't like as much was I just not in the right mood when I watched it? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was I felt the same way because uh, when I was going to rate this, I was like, I feel bad giving. I gave it a two and a half, and I feel bad about giving it a two and a half because I don't feel like I disliked it exactly. 
it just like wasn't for me you know <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like it was like the mirror like when I watched the mirror I was like I don't the mirror I can see how the mirror is good I just don't like it very much you know <laughs> you know yeah but yeah good uh still a great uh great pick you know love it you don't need to butter me up <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i wish i had uh won the thing and i could make you watch something again that was a lot that's a lot of fun you get your card box right here it will mm. do it you want you want to do it <laughs> sure i mean let's do the, i'll take two homework assignments okay let's just do it right now though let's do it real quick we'll do we'll do uh this is our marathon episode just right. since just since you already gave him one kevin mm-hmm. why are my director cards in the middle of the goddamn box because you made a mistake. Oh, you... my God. Oh, there's like half of them in the middle and half of them out. Maybe. Let's, this is you know what, let's we'll just say this. that Jonathan put them up and he screwed up. Yeah, it's Jonathan's fault. Yeah, I mean. Okay. I'm going to take two. You take two. All right. These are director cards. Now. Kevin's not allowed to play? No. Well, he's well, well, he already, already, he already yeah. assigned you. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'll go first. Oh, these are so fucking easy. Uh. No, not asking any of these. Let's do, let's use straight trivia. You want to do straight trivia? Who directed the 1997 <laughs> comedy Private Parts? Oh, uh, Penelope, Penelope Spheris. Is that not correct? Isn't it? <laughs> no. Isn't it Penelope Spheris? Well, didn't he direct it himself? No, he didn't direct it. Oh, okay. Oh, Ivan Reitman. No, it is Ivan Reitman. Not according. Who to is the, it? Not according to this. Who is it? Betty Thomas. Oh, Betty Thomas. I was okay. really wrong on that one, but we're not using these. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do straight trivia. That'd be be more interesting because it'll be hard. The directors are so so fucking easy, except for that one that you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Who directed a scary movie? It's not on this card. It was on that other card. A s- scary movie. Yeah. The Wands Brothers. <laughs> it's uh, one. There's only one Wands. Oh, uh, Keenan Ivory. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so. <clears throat> Who plays the first lady in the 1996 comedy Mars Attacks? <laughs> <laughs> I have options. I need options. Okay, let's do this though. I we'll hate do. It. Let's just do a quick point system. I had to turn this off when I was a kid because I was scared. Okay, real quick, a point system. Okay, three points with no options. Okay, one point with options because with options it's easy. Yeah. Okay. Actually, this might not be. So you want options? Yeah, I want options. Sarah Jessica Parker, Annette Bening, Jillian Anderson, Glenn Close. For one point. It could be be two of them. Yeah, it could be. I'm going to go with Annette Bening. (laughs) No points. (laughs) Go ahead, ask me one. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Glenn Close. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. (laughs) Uh which category did you ask me? I asked you the first one, uh, WW. I don't know what that means. Um, my card, both the WWs have no options. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. All right. What classic actress appeared in Spellbound, Casablanca, and Mur- Murder on the Orient Express? Ingrid Bergman? Yeah. <laughs> so is it three points for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're fucked, JR. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got a quote, and it's a really easy quote, so you're going to get three points right now. Bad Ready? quotes. All my friends tell me. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Why, I know that. Are you kidding me? Dude. Right now, you are bad at quotes. This is like the quote. I know this. They Why? call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> are, you, are you fucking joking? <laughs> you really don't have your words today. 
I can give you options for one point. <laughs> give me options. Oh just assign him. <laughs> just assign <laughs> him a movie already. Yeah, Put him out of his over. misery. It's over. It's you're over. You're conceding. I'm conceding. Oh my god. I can't do quotes. Sidney Poitier he, in the Heat of the Night. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even seen that movie, and I know it's. I need strong. to. Yeah, I need to like go up and study that AFI hundred quotes thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm so bad. All right. Well, uh, I'll give you your assignment. It's like I never, later in the show. You guys do Seinfeld quotes. Sometimes I recognize them. Other times I'm like. What? Right. I know you're quoting something. Yeah. All right. Let's Can we move, talk about this movie? Yeah, let's move into yeah. our deep dive, uh, which is JR's pick, a movie from 1974 called The Taking of Pelham 123. Not The Taking of the Pelham, just Pelham 123. Starring Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw, among others, and directed by Joseph Sargent. Um, JR, a little synopsis and maybe why you chose this film? Yeah, sure. Uh, Robert Shaw. And a band of uh, crooks, three other people, hop on a train and uh, hijack it. A subway train. Yes, sorry, subway train in New York City. Fuck that system all up. Um, And they have color names. So I'm guessing Quentin Tarantino has seen this movie. That's one of the notes I can erase then. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we have... Oh, I'm such an idiot. I had notes for Archangel and I didn't... Re- <laughs> Let me just say one more thing about Archangel real quick. I'm sorry. I had one thing Son I wanted to say. Uh, well, one, the disembowelment was really cool. And then two, they use uh, a quote from this movie in a, in a Decemberist song. Really? Yeah. And the last track of their first album has the quote when she's telling him about the ghosts in the battlefield and how if she was one of the ghosts, she would stay close to him. And that's in the end of that song. Anyway, cool. So, so it was cool to see that. Anyways, back to taking of Pelham. Anyway, one, two, three. Uh, Walter Matthau is the, uh, the guy who kind of takes charge at the uh, transportation office to negotiate with these, you know, we we'll call them terrorists. Sure. They, they're, they've, they're holding people hostage for money. Um, so I guess not terrorists. They're just like bank robbers. And then um, that's it. We kind of it's mostly the interplay between uh, Robert Shaw and Walter Matthau over the uh, over the radio. And uh, we kind of get a lot of Walter Matthau's office. Mm-hmm. And he is a uh, he's a very Walter Walter Matthau character. Yeah. How many times can I say his name? But uh, it's all. He's just a grumpy, mm-hmm. I've worked here for too long dude. Yep. And he works with a bunch of other grumpy, I've worked here for too long dudes. And some of them are sarcastic and some of them are just angry. But everyone in that office is pissy as fuck. And they're pissy as fuck before a train gets hijacked. <laughs> right. Which does not make anyone, doesn't put anyone in a better mood. Um, and that's, that's the whole movie. Uh, you know, these four robbers, four, I can't decide on what I want to call them. The four Thieves. criminals. Yeah. 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 You know, Robert Shaw is your uh, calm, mild manner, definitely the boss, authoritative guy. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Robert Balsam? Martin. Martin Balsam. Martin Balsam. He is the, he's the nervous one. You know, he's got, he's the one that might have a conscience. And then we have a psychopath and H- then just H- kind Hector of. Hector Elizondo is yeah. a psycho. And then kind of just like an extra uh, Wilf- big guy. Wilson he's the, brute. the big guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's the muscle when they need it. A weird thing to point out, a weird coincidence that uh, uh, Earl Hindman plays the uh, guy, the aforementioned brute, uh, who plays Wilson in in uh, Home Improvement. Hector Elizondo, who plays the crazy guy, plays Tim Allen's boss in Tim Allen's <laughs> second show on ABC, Last Man Standing, 
Wow. It's weird how they both are in Tim Allen shows. Is that in your top five shows? Last Man Standing? No. <laughs> God, God, no. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, the I'm teens. Not... Yeah. I, I, uh, no. But uh, I did watch the first three or four seasons of it. Though, oh, my but, uh, fuck. I really did. Jesus Christ. Just to get just to get something <laughs> just, to watch. Is this a sitcom? Four fucking Jesus. I, I, I stopped. Why whenever... would I rewatch Isn't two, that the whole season show? two when Isn't I could watch show? two more movies? I stopped when Duck Dynasty guest starred. I was done <laughs> And when they prayed at the end of the episode over dinner, okay. I, was, I was over it at that point. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, are we avoiding this movie? I can't tell. No, no, no not okay. at all. Not at all. But I so, just, I really, I was just, I just wanted to point that out because I yeah. feel like nobody would point that out. So. Yeah. So I'm this, having fun. I missed this yeah. last time. <laughs> like I legit missed this. Aww. So taking, <laughs> taking the Pelham one, two, three, taking, fuck <laughs> the taking of Pelham one, two, three is uh, just kind of like a no bullshit straight. Uh, you know, crime thriller with some comedic elements. There's very little action. Few people get shot. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like a we keep we keep hearing about a, there's an undercover cop on the train and mm. uh, he kind of appears after you've forgotten about him, even though they mention him a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the bad guys keeps coughing, and he's the one that survives the shootout. So I of course about, the coughing is about the coughing. <laughs> yeah. The coughing is going to matter at some point. Yeah. Um, but it's you know this is a simple, a simple thriller, and it's you know it's kind of it's uh, entertaining. It's uh, clearly an extremely, almost to the point of weirdness, being an influential film. Uh, like it's weird how much stuff after this seems to borrow from it, including yeah, I mean like obvious stuff like uh, Reservoir Dogs, you know, using the color names. I think Die Hard borrows from this. Yeah. I mean, like, I think sure. Hans Gruber is in the same vein as like, Absolutely. Robert Shaw. Absolutely. And I, yeah. was, I thought of Speed quite a bit. It's like a less action-packed Speed. Yeah. It's like a more, like, sedate Speed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's got all of those things that make all of those movies what they are, like the action mixed with comedy. There's a lot of comedy in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, like, when I told my wife that what I was watching, she had never heard of this she didn't know that the travolta film was a remake and um she when i told her walter Matthau was in it she was like i thought walter Matthau was a was a com- like a com- comic actor and i was like hey, he's done some stuff that's you know like less comedic but i mean he is he's like funny in this i mean yeah, yeah. you know with how grouchy he is like he's you like said, and calling how- the Japanese guys, he's giving a tour yeah, to dummies. Like, dummies. Come on, dummies. dummies. <laughs> no, that was good stuff. No, when they when they revealed they spoke English, that was a, was a pretty good moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. You know who I really loved in this movie? The guy who is the aide to the mayor. Oh, thank you. I wrote it down. His name that is guy Tony was, Roberts. Yeah, that, that guy was really good. He's like, in a lot just, of Woody Allen stuff. Yeah, just he's not fantastic. taking any crap from anybody. And I couldn't find his name. He's the last person credited on IMDb. I was like, I was, was looking. He, I was, was he hiding? I, I looked through almost purpose? all of them, and I was like, why is he not on this list? Right. And then I looked through it again, and I got all the way to the end. He's right there. I was like, fuck, man. But yeah, he's he's fantastic. And I was like, I feel like I've seen him in stuff, but I've never seen anything that he's been in. He's been in a lot of Woody Allen movies I've never seen. This yeah, also I mean, had a uh, a dipshit mayor, which yeah. is a yeah. Uh, we all every we all do that all the time now. Or, or someone sure. in authority is always a dipshit. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the remake? Yeah. Okay. Is like Gandolfini is the mayor, right? Yeah, but is he? Is I don't he he's a dipshit. dipshit. No, I don't. No. I wouldn't think he'd play a dipshit. The movie right. is, I remember it being humorless, or or maybe I just hated it. It probably is humorless. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. I, I'll I, think tell I saw you, that in like 2010. I, though. I downloaded it and was going to watch it for this pre- for this show, 
And the reason I didn't was because I, I made the mistake of watching the trailer for it on YouTube again. And uh, it's like you can see moments from the original in it that are redone in Tony Scott's flamboyant action pack style. And I just couldn't do it. I just can't put myself through it. Like, like, like you know how the car, they're racing them to get the money there and the car like kind of like flips over because it hits a hydrant or some shit. Yeah, yeah. In this movie, in the new one, it shows that in the trailer and it gets hit by like a truck and it flips like 15 times and then flies off of a bridge. So like, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to watch this movie. I just can't do it. I might no, watch it at some point. No. But I, I, well, that's, I, that's another moment where like the car flipping over is also, it, it, we have a countdown, so it's yeah. it's uh, stressful, but it's also kind of funny the way it happens. Yeah, it's like just the truck back, like just the way, yeah. The, I, actually, that wasn't the truck part, but uh, well, the yeah, way they it happens do, they is do ridiculous. have to like swerve to miss somebody, yeah. or no, they they stop and then they have to turn. That's right. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but it, it it's yeah, I agree. It's like a comedy built into it all over the place. Yeah, and that's one reason I don't want to rewatch the the, the remake, and I. I don't remember that this is there. I barely remember anything about that movie, which is why I wanted to watch it again. But I feel like this movie now is like, you're going to have a political angle thrown in with like the bad guys don't just want money. Right. Or maybe they do, but, uh, but there, even if they did just want money, there would be like, like in Die Hard, there's a, there's a fake thing that he's distracts them with. We want the yeah. release of these prisoners, but really all they're after is money. Right. It's just yeah. There would definitely be some kind of a or like a metaphor about class or something. You know? there's, yeah. there's, just, there's no way that there could be a, a like a, a thriller like this that is so patient and not really thrilling. It's completely empty of character. Also, I would say. I mean, with character development, like you don't you don't know anything about anybody in this movie. And every 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 hostage is like one character trait. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Every, so is every bad guy. There's one. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny too. Like so they, they mentioned like a bill a billion times that there's an undercover cop on the train. Not once do you get any clue who it is until the very point where he gets up and I'm a right. cop. Well, and they I guess they think they're trying to misdirect you. But Walter Matthau is so obsessed with the idea that it could be a woman. And <laughs> yeah, so and, it's and most like, likely someone useless. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, That's good. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a bit of uh, '70s uh, racism and misogyny in here. Oh yeah, yeah. which when you he know, calls the guy the N word, yeah, shut your mouth, N word, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. hits him, yeah. hits him in the mouth. And when he core. when he meets the police chief who's black, and he's like, like "Oh, I thought you were going to yeah. be um, I'm, I'm, shorter." Um, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he clearly wanted to say white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just getting back to Tony Roberts real quick, though, like my one of my favorite scenes in the whole film is uh, the debate over whether or not to pay them when they get them all in the room together. Oh, yeah. The and they're mansion. all trying to vote for it. Yeah. Like, you know, I love. Oh, that. I, I abstain. Like, you can't. Yeah. That was yeah. great. I love that whole scene of like, what are we going to do and how and how Tony Roberts is just so like adamant about just fucking paying. Like if we pay him, everything ends and we can move on, you know? Yeah. And like, I'll get in touch with the banks. I'll get in touch with that. Them. Too, you'll, yeah. you'll spend six hours trying to get down the interest rate what a genius thing too to, to mention that like the fact that they have to borrow they're a city they have to borrow the money from a yeah, bank yeah. to pay that's so that's so good yeah <laughs> I, I love that and i loved that we didn't really go back to them like the mayor's mentioned again but mm-hmm. it's like all right they've they've uh well, they've a, done their it's job a, it's a comedic beat when he's mentioning it you hear a lot of people booing like oh the mayor's here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the cop's like all right i'll keep the crowd for him yeah <laughs> That's good stuff. But then it's just like we have these pieces of the plot that are once their role has been filled, 
they're they're done. Yeah. Like we don't need to bring them back. We don't need to clutter the story mm-hmm. with more characters showing up and talking and just just streamlines I, it. I really yeah. enjoyed the use of it seemed like all the actors were <clears throat> um either they were incredibly good actors or they were authentically from New York. Like they everybody had the very thick accent of and like the speech patterns and like one of the characters says couple of three minutes. <laughs> like <laughs> I just amazing. Like uh Jerry Stiller, yeah, as his name's Rico, Rico. or something. <laughs> so Rico Patron, yeah. What a great, <laughs> what a great name for this clearly Jewish yes. Irish guy. You yeah, know? Like, but uh, yeah, I lo- I loved him in it. I love that he wasn't he wasn't overly funny like I would expect him to be, but he was just like you know playing a guy, and he was in it a lot more than I thought he was going to be. And when he had the uniform on at the end, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, there was, still learning to play. and he sounds the exact same in 1974 as he does now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I liked, uh, there was a bit of lived in banter between all the people at that office mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. that I liked. Like when, uh, you know, just like that simple comedic line where Matthew was like, you're not going to believe this. And, and he's like, I believe anything. And then like a tr- <laughs> yeah. subway's been hijacked. I don't believe I it. I don't believe it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. of course that's the line. Yeah. But, it feels like it's, it's a shtick they have. It yeah. all feels very authentic, like yeah. very real. Yeah. Like yeah. they all feel like real people. Um, those people, anyway. In the and the, like the, there was like the most New York shit ever when <laughs> that uh, like that kind of mid manager guy starts walking down the tracks to figure out why this fuck like why this fucking train Wait, conductor fucking has stopped train. his stu- yeah. subway. Like city's falling apart. And all the other people getting off the subway are walking back the opposite direction. They're all like, I'm going to fucking sue you. And like, <laughs> yeah. everyone's just like throwing F-bombs at each other because they're like, f- everyone's like, fuck this. Yeah. And yeah. no one could give a shit that there's an actual problem. It's just like, oh, you're fucking to, up my day. Gotta get to work on time. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. And then I think I just get shot. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think at one point, dude, like, come on, man. We got rush hour coming up. And, right, they, yeah, all, they all have just, stuff they're trying to yeah you know, yeah it's like very of. you know like they're very like by the book and like you know everything runs on a timetable and yeah i like that the uh thieves are asking for one million dollars <laughs> yeah it reminds me of uh it has to be where they got like mike myers had to have been watching this movie when he was writing austin powers and he's like how ridiculous is they're asking for one million dollars <laughs> yeah even in seventy four it feels like that's not a lot of money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that uh that older guy is like, Well, fellow like to know how much he's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that though, when they get the money delivered, how like the logistics of the money, like we have to get like they want it in the, these specific denominations, they want it wrapped this way and then like how they're gonna get it out there, like stuff it into their like they have like vests on that they're stuffing it into or something. Yeah. It's really the, just really the way cool. they get out is so simple yeah and there's also no twist. believable yeah, yeah. i love because I, I was expecting there to be some kind of huge twist about oh how are they gonna get out? oh it's so ingenious how they get out it's not ingenious at all it's just like that thing that walter matthew was saying how, that was gonna stop them it doesn't stop them because they fixed it <laughs> like, yeah right and it, the only twist it's not sorry the only thing that could be a twist they could have held back on like the uh on balsam's connection to the, right. the railroad but yeah, yeah they don't it's just like a plot point right yeah it's very very uh simplistic yeah the entire plot is and i think yeah. that really works in its favor because like you know so many thrillers try to put in too much they try to be too clever mm-hmm. and it's like well, no now, just yeah. like especially now yeah yeah just just make it real 
you would never real simple. That's another reason why they would you never see this movie now because they would just right. Like even in the remake, I guarantee they fuck it up and try to add all kinds oh, of yeah. other backstory and shit like that. You know. But I mean, I, I even think going. I think they went too far in this one, even just explaining who who Robert Shaw is, like the fact that he was ex-military. And so they, I didn't need to know yeah. any of that, honestly. Right. I didn't either. And it feels like it feels like they were like, "Well, he's British. We have to explain why he's British." <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You know? Not just, "Hey, he's Robert Shaw. He's a big actor." Yeah. You know? So let's do uh, let's do the things that don't work. Okay. Besides the racism and misogyny, because those <laughs> those haven't aged well. Yeah, I think which, I actually don't. I have no problem uh, from a from a clearly like uh, cinematic standpoint of like Hector Elizondo being racist and calling. Oh him no, no, word sorry. I but no I agree. Like that. all the Walter Matthau stuff is a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the racism plays yeah. even just like yeah the old. I feel like it's like a seventies eighties trope that like Japanese tourists would show up at some point and they're always <laughs> clueless and they're buffoons and yeah, you yeah. just treat them like shit. And it, it's nice that at the end of this, the Japanese people aren't buffoons. They just yeah we're, they were playing Mathau a yeah little bit, but uh Mathau's the buffoon with his goofy yellow tie yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do like so this is not a thing i don't like but i, <laughs> I do like that he, his wardrobe is a little bit like more disheveled every mm-hmm. time you see him yeah like nice diehard t- nice touch yeah yeah how the end of it he had a white wife beater and the end of it it's like green and brown it's yeah. disgusting <laughs> you know and like right. barely any of it is still left on him yeah yeah well, it gets yeah, it gets ripped off. But yeah, yeah. But. So any any pieces that don't work because I, I I had one big one, but I like the ending. I thought was a little too drawn out. I thought I thought they could have wrapped up like the whole thing a bit better. Um, spoiler alert! So Martin Balsam's character is like coughing and sneezing the entire time. And he's the one who gets away with all the money. And every time he sneezes over the radio, yeah, Mathau says Gesundheit. Yeah. And so, like, part. yeah, so when they figure out there's only a certain amount of people it could be, they're tracking them all down, and they get to his apartment. They're just about to leave. He sneezes. Martin and uh, <laughs> Mathau, like, looks back into the apartment, like... Oh, and he has just been waiting for 90 fucking minutes to, to give that mug. That's yeah. The, he's just been that, waiting. That face is so ridiculous that he makes. Oh, the, <laughs> like yeah, the, I, I can't even. It's like his mm, his face is at like, like a ninety degree angle, but yeah. we, we still get like the <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I thought that ridiculous. like I thought they could have like done that a little better. It's the exact same face that John Hamm makes in the t- in the town. I'm serious. I'm serious. I've noticed this, and I, honestly, you can ask. Uh, well, you guys can't can't ask her because you probably won't see her very soon. But Jonathan's wife, <laughs> uh, you can ask her about this. We've talked about it a lot. In the town, John Hamm has this ridiculous moment where he's talking to Blake Lively, and he's trying to convince her to like you know turn on Ben Affleck, and he makes the same face. He goes like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like this, like you know, where you just drag all your muscles of your face all the way to the bottom. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Oh uh, yeah, and that's you know, well, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Is that, yeah, that's, is that that's the part that didn't work for you. Then? Yeah, and, I agree. And, that, and that's that the thing too. It's like it's like me. another like I don't know, fifteen minutes for. I don't mind them looking looking for every looking for the guy like that. And honestly, I feel like Martin Balsam in that last scene is like that's the best acting he does in the whole movie. I, I can, and I think yeah. I think he's good in the movie, but he's real good in that scene. And because um, and then he gets all New York on him, yeah. like yeah. indignant. And it's exactly that's yeah. Cool. yeah. Like, what am I being questioned? 
Like, get the fuck out of my get the fuck out of my life. Get the fuck yeah, out yeah. of my apartment. Uh, yeah, and how he has to stop Jerry Stiller from lighting the cigarette on because he's got put the money in the in the stove or in the oven. Yeah, yeah. Just really good stuff like that. And how he has to kick the money under the bed and everything. You know, it's yeah. just real. It's a tense scene. It's a good scene. It works really well. Yeah, but, like um, that's that scene is really good. But like the fact that it takes them that long no, to like get to it. I hate that after I- what probably would have been like the climax right and i don't like it as an ending either i don't feel like that like the butt mm. it's way too comedic to be the end of the movie yeah. like it's like <laughs> yeah. clever comedic moment i don't know yeah. it just doesn't i don't it feels really weird so, and how the music kicks back i love the the theme is amazing the david shire the dun, 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 oh, yeah that was, that was <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's, it's incredible that was definitely on ba, 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 ba. All, all the horns the are horns, on my list yeah. of likes bump, 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 bump. <laughs> yes. it's it's great like i i was like I watched it on DVD and like the uh, the title was up and I was like, I'm like digging the music for a while. Like yeah, it took oh me yeah. a while before I pressed play. Oh yeah, it was. Um, this is like on a, a bunch of lists of best scores of all time, and I can see why. Yes, it's, it's, it's fun. It's it just reminds fun. me a yeah. lot. It reminds me of the. I feel like the French Connection had a similar kind of uh, horn. The movie's not fucking fun. Score. So. I'm just saying. <laughs> the, the score was similar. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, the score rules. Uh, other stuff that didn't work, I, 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 I'm probably you know probably not a popular opinion, but uh, I feel like Shaw's performance isn't great. Uh, I knew this would come up because <laughs> Jonathan hates Jaws now, and he's <laughs> no, I don't, I don't hate Jaws. And he uh, would, I just don't th- see what all the fuss is about. He certainly looked a lot different one year later, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he um. John's over here like, you know, man, after From Russia with Love, he just was downhill. I've never even seen that. This is yeah. the second film I've ever seen Robert Shaw in. So, oh, shit. Uh, oh, okay. I just don't, I don't know. I just wasn't a big, like, I didn't think he was doing anything that special in it as all. And I hear a lot about how great he is and I'm just waiting to see it. I wouldn't I say this yeah. is a breakout performance for him. I mean, I wouldn't say he's, but I wouldn't say he's phoning it in either. It's just like the he's next very, paycheck. He's very, yeah, he's very restrained in it, which I, yeah. don't, I don't mind. Which is I weird because, like, in other movies, he's, like, very, like, overtly menacing or yeah. yells a lot. Yeah, and... I was going to say, he does not radiate any any real villainy besides just having the, I guess all this, the gun and also, stuff. Also, yeah. I mean, I find yeah, I find it's weird, like what you just said. He doesn't radiate villainy, but then he just, he does, like, cold-bloodedly murder a couple of people in it, which is weird. Yeah. Like, when he, he kept saying, like, Martin Balsam clearly doesn't want to kill anybody. Mm. It's like, you said nobody would get hurt. And I feel like Robert Shaw is the same way. Like, Robert Shaw's not going to kill him. Like, I never believed for a second that he was going to shoot a hostage until he shoots a hostage. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? He doesn't, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem to want to. Yeah. And then yeah. He does. Especially with uh, when, like, uh, he's trying to get Elizondo to, like, you know, play along. And, like, you know, I once had a man shot for sit- talking like that to me. And, like, well, I just shot somebody. Uh, Elizondo says, that's that's the difference for you and me. Yeah, I go, yeah. I do my own shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. That line's that line yeah. really I love, I, my, my favorite performance in the film is Elizondo's film. He's, he's incredible. Like, And it's uh, probably the most flashy performance, but it's really good. Yeah, it is. So I think my, my quibble was uh, just the way Shaw died. Like, Oh, yeah. He gives up. What a weird it, As soon as Mathal points a gun at him, he's like, on I'm done. The tracks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, yeah. So sorry, my, my issue wasn't. I, I, yeah, the uh, the tracks thing is weird, but just the fact that he just like gave up. Yeah, like, that's yeah. just that's it. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, I'm dead. It was yeah, it was a really bizarre moment. And uh, again, I feel like that's where character development would help because it's like why, like why is he so quick to just like, well, I'd rather just be dead than be in a prison cell. Like, did he? Yeah, was he a prisoner before or something? I, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like. 
Why did he feel that way? And the way he kills himself is really strange. Yeah. yeah. This is apparently a very popular novel. It probably goes into a bunch of that kind of shit, but mm. I have a copy of it, it, but I've never read it. No shit. Yep. They apparently filmed the um, remake in the same exact subway tunnel. That's a shut down subway that they don't use yeah. anymore, and they only oh, use okay. it for filming. So and uh, tourism. Right. And they apparently had trouble getting permission because New York was worried that uh, people would see this and get some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> right. So ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff like that, though. Like, you know, oh, well, this will make us look bad or, you know. And I read on the Wikipedia page, it was like, it's like the height of the so-called age of skyjacking. So, like, a lot of, like, uh, people were hijacking planes at this time. Yeah. Well, they mentioned that in the movie. Like, why can't you assholes just get a plane like everybody else? Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, how do we feel about even great men have to pee? <laughs> that was great, great great really smart line yeah, like yeah. For, for him to for the character to come up with that yeah off the, off the cuff yeah yeah how, how do i explain this amazing that's good yeah amazing stuff yes and uh oh another actor that we haven't talked about who's in this who i didn't recognize until after i, I read the uh i didn't recognize at all i had to read about her being in it doris roberts plays the mayor's wife oh yeah. <laughs> who's the one who convinces him to pay i guess yeah. okay 18 You'll have 18 certain votes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hostages. Yeah. I didn't recognize her either. Yeah. I didn't either. But uh, that's apparently her. So it's okay. more sitcom actors. Yeah. This thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought the I, I really wish the um, I mean, wish is a strong word. I, I was hoping the violence would be better. It's a little little held, held back a little bit when they shoot yeah. people. There's not a lot of blood or anything. Cause no. Some, Hardcore Verhoeven squib action. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> is the is the most blood when? Uh, is there blood? Yeah, when he hits the guy in the yeah, I think that's face the with most, the, uh, yeah. the butt of a gun. Right. Yeah. yeah, that might be the most blood. I mean, there are squibs that go off on people when they get shot, but there's no blood on them. It's just yeah. like right. black like holes in there. You know. And I do like though when 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 he shoots Elizondo on the oh spoilers when he shoots Elizondo on the stairwell how Elizondo reacts to it gets like all stiff and shit like that you know I like any kind of weird. You know, death gasps are cool. Yeah, <laughs> it it probably doesn't make sense that uh, once this group starts getting shot up, like only Balsam ran out. Like shot, why didn't Shaw just run out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like he, but didn't he say something? Didn't he like say, "Go ahead, and I'm gonna stay back and go this way" or something? He like explained it a little bit. I feel mm, like he said something. It. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense. Obviously, no, because yeah. like, he has to run into to Matt, do that. He has to. To do that, he has to get rid of the guy shooting him, right. which is what got him caught there. Yeah, yeah. The, Maybe uh, that's why he was, stop- he was cop. stopping because he wanted to finish killing that guy or get, or he wanted to shoot that guy because that guy was shooting at him and he wasn't shot yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. I lo- <laughs> yeah. When Mathow comes on that guy at the end and he's like, he's like, uh, he's looking at the, the, the wounded cop, he's like, don't worry, pal. We're gonna get an ambulance down here right away. And then he just steps over him and keeps walking. <laughs> so the guy's yeah. just shot up on the ground. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do, yeah, you don't even know how, yeah, how we're seriously getting, injured that guy is. We're yeah. getting an ambulance into the tunnel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, by the way, in ten minutes we're gonna have this line going again. So probably yeah. have to get run over. <laughs> you need to get up, pal. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walk, walk it off. Walk it off. <laughs> no, I know you jumped out of a moving train, but yeah, that was weird too. Like when he jumped out of the train. I was, like, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he jumped out of the train, I was like, I was like, okay, good. So he's going to be running after them. And then it was like 10 more, 10 minutes later. I'm like, where the fuck is this guy? It's yeah. like, oh, he knocked himself out jumping out of the train. <laughs> he's like lying on the ground, he did, passed out. He, yeah. did not, he did not have a plan. No. <laughs> 
See, Walter Matthau was right. He was useless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I said everything I need to say. Yeah, I, yeah, I got nothing else. This is not, not a complicated movie. Yeah. <laughs> Ratings? I gave it a three. I'm going to go three and a half. I went four. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> is this your second time seeing it, or have you seen it a lot? Second time. Okay. Second time. And cool. First in a long time. But. Cool. Well, uh... That's gonna do it for our show. Then we don't have any uh, junk mail, or not junk. We don't, we don't call it junk mail. We call it uh, feedback. <laughs> we don't That's any, copyrighted, John. I know, right? <laughs> we don't have any feedback. So, uh, just moving on to our pick for next week, which is going to be Jonathan's pick. Are we letting Jonathan pick the movie next week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan picked. Uh, Bellatar's Werkmeister Harmonies. Fucking God. <laughs> uh, I, sorry. I love this movie. Okay. Good. Uh, this is the movie he picked. Uh, so we'll be watching that. And uh, that'll be my first time seeing it. Kevin? Yeah. I've, I haven't seen any Bellatar. Oh, good. Uh, the less common pronunciation, Bela. Uh, <laughs> no, no, just Isn't it? Bellatar. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe you say it. I don't know. Maybe some I don't people think say I, it Bela. I don't know. Neither of us are Hungarian. Yeah. It's true. Um, so I've got to prescribe a film here for uh, for JR because I beat his ass in the trivia. He conceded because he was scared. So uh, here it comes, JR. Are you ready? You ready, bud? I'm ready. I got lots here that you haven't seen. Pick a number between... No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. You don't get that. You haven't seen Red Dragon? No, we've talked about how... You're going to watch Red Dragon. That's it. You're going to watch Red Dragon. You're going to see how much better it is than Manhunter. And uh, come back. Come back at me next next episode. So I've got a puppet movie, (laughs) a three-hour Hungarian art house movie, and a fucking... A Red Dragon movie. Red Dragon is is good though. I'm what telling it, you. What, was it McGee that directed this? <laughs> <laughs> McGee, Brett Ratner. Not that quite as bad as McGee. <laughs> McGee, go fuck yourself. You no, know, you know what? I changed my mind. Charlie's Angels full throttle. <laughs> you want a McGee film? You got it. <laughs> I think I pulled a muscle in my chest. <laughs> No, uh, you'll be watching Red Dragon. We'll all be watching uh, Work Workmeister or Verkmeister. It's like W E R C K Meister Harmonies. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time. Sorry, don't you want me?